0: Welcome to The Movie Planet, season six, episode 15. This week, we're talking about 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
1: With Joe. Don't you know it's
0: dangerous to climb into a refrigerator? Those things can be death traps.
1: And Steve. You're a, a teacher? part time
0: Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the indie to my Irina Spalko Steve. How's life Steve?
1: <laughs> it's uh I get I just get a weird sense of deja vu right now. It's, okay, uh, it's go It's going good. I'll admit it. <laughs> we recorded this already. Well, no.
0: We we did this already and I forgot to press the record button. So you're hearing the second run at this. So my hope is that it goes smoother than the first one, which was already pretty
1: damn good. it's fine. It'll be just great.
0: This week, we've nominated Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for the action adventure movie Pantheon. The action adventure movie Pantheon consists of seven and only seven movies. Currently, the films in this preserve are number one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number two, Die Hard. Number three, Rares the Lost Ark. Number four, Mad Max Fury Road. Number five, six, and seven are John Wick one, two, and three, respectively. Steve, do you want to alter any of your grades from previous shows? And if so, what is your reasoning for your grade change?
1: Uh, surprisingly, I actually have two and they're both in this pantheon that we're going to be doing today, action adventure. Um, so after seeing this movie, I've realized that maybe I was, I, 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 I appreciate the temple of doom a little bit more now. And for all the craziness that happened in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that we're gonna talk about, <laughs> I feel like it's um, Temple of Doom, as unrealistic as some of the scenes were, I think it was done a lot better. Um, so I think the, the safe spot to put Temple of Doom is, is above a C, because when I look at ABC, A is great, B is good, C generally is your averages. I think Temple of Doom is good. I'll move that to a B minus.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's in a B minus. And now it fits snugly between King Kong and Point
1: Break. What about um uh, I don't know, The Last Crusade? So, yeah, the other one I got is it's it's in this, it's in the top seven. And on the Last Crusade podcast, don't get me wrong. I in, in my Mount Rushmore, I have Last Crusade in there. I don't have Raiders. It would be definitely in my top movies of all time that I really enjoy. But is it a better action adventure? So I agree, I, I like to let things set a lot and let it marinate. And the more I thought about it was, in Indiana Jones Last Crusade, as awesome as a movie it is, it is a great action adventure movie. There is a lot of it that relies on Indiana searching for his father and not necessarily about the grail well, that's all his dad well the movie's not based on his dad He stands in it but it's not based on that and that's more of the family drama that they're figuring out it isn't until like halfway through the film that then they go on the adventure themselves so that being said and also the part where I crapped on, the entire Sir Richard, the catacomb scene, like I was angry. And for me to sit here and rip an entire scene. I'll wait till you hear it back when I release it. Oh my, oh my God, not, not, not only a scene, but an entire integral part of the film and still call it a perfect film. It doesn't sit well, well with me. Um, There are, but the the movie as a whole redeems a little bit. So I think it's safe and fair. And I feel at ease with my life that if I take Indiana Jones and last crusade and move it to an A, not an A plus. Okay. Well,
0: that changes things at the top. Um, Die Hard is back to being number one again. Raiders of the Lost Ark is number two with a 96.75% and Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade is a 96.6%. Thus, turning me into a prophet that I said that Raiders (laughs) would end up higher than Last Crusade and Temple would be number three.
1: (laughs) And for the record, I wasn't trying to make your prophecy come true. This is just how I honestly feel about it. It's...
0: It feels good. Um, Okay, well, now that we've had that business, let's get down to business. Uh, This week, we are talking about 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, a movie made for about $185 million that brought in $790.7 million, which is $1.116 billion today. This movie was a billion dollar box office. Well, that's right in line with the other ones. I mean. The only one that wasn't, I think was Temple, which was 975 million. Oh, okay, that's close enough. To shade. (laughs) Shade down. Written by David Kep, Jeff Nathanson, and George Lucas. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Produced by Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, (laughs) Music by John. Seriously, no Oscar for this? Williams.
1: No, it's not original anymore. No. And but th- then he'll get it for all the Star Wars movies he does. It's, it's,
0: and I think we can agree, compared to the other three movies, I can't think of a unique theme that Williams has for this. No, I
1: can't think of like, one
0: either. If you heard the, the Last Crusade theme of the, you know, you, you hear that, you know, exactly what movie you're in with temple. I know you don't like temple soundtrack, but the March, that's Indiana Jones. You know, exactly what movie you're in. You play
1: anything for this movie. I don't know which any movie it is. Yeah. You hear the, I mean, you hear the arc song. theme. Later on in this one, that mysteriousness, and again, mm-hmm. you know you're you know you're in an indie movie.
0: Uh, it opened on May 23rd, 2008, because Lucasfilm loves opening their stuff in May, uh, unless it's Star Wars for some reason. Uh, it opened at number one. It made a hundred million dollars in its first weekend.
1: Well, I mean, that's pro- that's definitely probably more than any other indie movie, but you know, it's probably a double the theaters. <laughs> double of theaters but there was
0: another movie that was in the theaters at the exact same time it was in its second week also it only brought in 20 million dollars and it's a little film i don't know if you're familiar with it iron man
1: oh another a (laughs) no one
0: knew nobody knew what iron man was back then
1: (laughs) well yeah distributor paramount Pictures still (laughs) right
0: (laughs) yeah it doesn't say uh Marvel or Walt Disney Studios. Rated PG 13, runtime two hours and two minutes, starring Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, Kate Blanchett as Kate Blanchett, I'm sorry, Irina Spalko, Karen Allen as Marion Still Stunning Ravenwood, Shia LaBeouf as Mutt Williams, <laughs> Ray Winstone as George Mack, Why Am I Here McHale, John Hurt as Professor Crazy Pants Oxley, Jim Broadbent as Dean Charles, not Marcus Brody Stanforth, and Neil Flynn, the janitor for from scrubs
1: as smith i would all due respect miss allen miss karen allen i guess your character is fine but i didn't need to see you
0: i'm gonna Sorry. say i'm gonna reference this movie several times throughout this so i'm just gonna break the seal right now <laughs> when you see her in dial of destiny you'll look back at this one going
1: jesus she looked great here I feel like you told me that and I just forgot that until you told me again just now. Yeah. Uh, um, surprise. Okay.
0: Do you remember seeing this for the first time, Steve? What did you think?
1: Not really. I know <laughs> I didn't go, I, I know I didn't go to the theater to see it. So I must've had to have seen it on some kind of streaming, sir. I have no idea. I mean, 2000, uh, I moved down to Florida in 2011 so I'm trying to look at my, I was still in college, tail end of college, so not a clue. Really left an but impression know, on you. <laughs> no, oh yeah, I know I had seen it before this viewing, but I honestly can't remember a single time when I saw it. How about you?
0: I saw it in theaters. I remember, I liked it. I, I was. I remember feeling very lonely at the time because I was the only one that liked this movie, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm not low on Shia at this point in his career. And I remember not understanding all the hate people had for his character because I knew it was in 1957. That's the fifties. You're not gonna see, you know, newsies walking around. Uh, So I I knew that that's his character. That's what it's supposed to be. And I kind of kept my opinions to myself as I watched the wall of hatred towards this movie just grow higher and higher. Thankfully Disney bought Lucasfilm, and all the properties we hated ended up being not so bad considering what they've done with those properties since.
1: True. I wonder if I'm thinking that um, people didn't, people hated on Shia LaBeouf's character Mutt because they thought he was gonna take over their beloved Indiana Jones. And they, when you start doing change, that's when people start picking apart things, so maybe.
0: I'm also wondering, and maybe you'll agree with me on this, in that if you've got franchises that ended before the internet age, you shouldn't even touch them again because those movies were protected by not having constant comment threads and trolls destroying these movies. I mean, if Star Wars had come out, in the original Star Wars had come out in 2016, it would have been destroyed.
1: So... Which begs the question, can you remake that now? No. Well, okay. I don't think you can. can you remake can. it successfully? You can remake it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think you can. Especially that iconic of a series. People will be all over it. They'll nitpick the crap out of everything. And yeah. they won't be shy to say it online.
0: It's like, you ever see Robert Downey Jr. talk about Tropic Thunder on Howard Stern? Yes. Yeah, where they ask him, would you do a sequel? And he goes, well, you could do one. (laughs) But you may not want to be in it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think all those properties that were so popular back then before the Internet age, you almost don't touch them because all you're doing is staining at this point.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: Well, now it's time for our segment Inception to Perception, where I dig shallowly into the Internet to find out how this movie came to be. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites.
1: Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors,
0: guys! Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. In 1979, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg made a deal with Paramount Pictures for five, five Indiana Jones films. Following the 1989 release of Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, Lucas let the series end as he felt he could not think of a good plot device to drive the next installment. He chose instead to produce the prequel television series, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which are on Disney Plus right now if you'd like to watch those. Uh, The following year, Harrison Ford would express his feelings that while he was uncertain on if the indie character had been fully explored or not, he had the impression that Last Crusade would be the final Indiana Jones film, and that as much as he enjoyed playing Jones, he felt that a trilogy was enough, though he wouldn't rule out working with Lucas and Spielberg again. Comic book writer Lee Mars claimed in a 2023 interview with the IndieCast podcast that Lucasfilm Limited was considering to make a continuation to the film series by bringing River Phoenix back as a younger Indie hence why Dark Horse Comics hoped to keep running their Indiana Jones comic book line, though Phoenix's death in 1993 put an end to such a possibility.
1: Oh, what could have been?
0: You know what? That was something we kind of alluded to in the last one, which was he did such a good job as being a young indie. it's a shame we didn't get more of it. Now you see, there may have been some level of planning to get him back.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did, for the little time that he was in The Last Crusade, he made the beginning of that movie awesome because I and you alluded on it a lot on how much he was like Harrison Ford, but he had that indie persona down perfectly.
0: The mannerisms were perfect.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, as Young Indie aired, Ford played Jones in one episode narrating his adventures in 1920 Chicago from 1950 Wyoming. When Lucas shot Ford's role in December in 1992, he realized the scene opened up the possibility of a film with an older Indiana set in the 1950s. So he wanted to do a 1950s B-movie with aliens as the plot device, just like how the 1930s Saturday matinee serials inspired the first three Indiana Jones films, as well as Star Wars. Lucas felt that B-movies such as Them, It Came From Outer Space, and The Thing From Another World could give them a whole new film genre to play with and add a new texture to the story, giving him the idea of using extraterrestrials. Meanwhile, Spielberg believed he was going to mature as a filmmaker after making the trilogy and felt his role in any future installments would be relegated to that of a mere producer. So Lucas wants to do something, and Spielberg's kind of put it behind
1: him. Yeah, he did the Indiana Jones thing. I mean, he's already calling it a (laughs) B-movie. You know, that's their basis of going off of this. So it's just like... Maybe but, this should have just been kept for sci-fi channel.
0: Well, that's the thing is, if you look at all those movies, if you look at religion from the standpoint that it is science that we can't explain, then they're all science fiction movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so Ford disliked the new angle, telling Lucas, there's no way I'm even in a Steven Spielberg movie like that. Spielberg himself, thank you. Spielberg himself, who depicted aliens in close encounters of the third kind and E.T., resisted it also. Perceiving that Ford and Spielberg opined that the film was too much an obvious Lucas Spielbergian idea, Lucas personally felt that Ford and Spielberg didn't fully understand the franchise malleability. Instead of doing the exact same movie all the time, all they had to do was to test different genres with each installment, and it would stop being an adventure of the title character looking after some artifact as long as it were a believable MacGuffin with an archeological or historical background. He came up with a story which Jeb Stewart turned into a script from 1993 to 1994. He had previously written The Fugitive. Are you familiar with The Fugitive? Yes, that's a great movie. Yes, Lucas wanted Indiana to get married, which would allow Henry Jones Sr. to return expressing concern over whether his son is happy with what he was accomplished. After he learned that Joseph Stalin was interested in psychic warfare, he decided to have Soviets as the villains and the aliens to have psychic powers. Following Stewart's next draft, Lucas hired Last Crusade writer Jeffrey Bohm to write the next three versions, the last of which was completed in March, 1996. Three months later, Independence Day was released. And Spielberg all of a sudden liked Aliens. It's a good Aliens movie. It really is. And here's the best part. Spielberg told Lucas he would not make another Alien Invasion film, and Lucas decided to focus on the Star Wars prequels.
1: Well, I mean, you couldn't come out with a movie after Independence Day that was Aliens-related. That's because everybody would surely be saying, well, no, it's not like, you know, the aliens from... Independence Day. So right, the fact that they didn't come out with it, I think is a smart move. You know, unlike all those natural disaster, that's really when this time was, it was all those natural disaster type movies that were coming out. So if you watch the
0: behind the scenes of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, cause I have the DVD of this movie, not the Blu-ray, not the 4K, the DVD. And there's a feature on there on the making of this. And at one point Spielberg basically says, I don't want to do another alien movie, but all these kids keep coming up to me asking me, when are you going to make another indie movie? When are you going to make another indie movie? And so he's kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, but I don't want to do aliens. And Lucas says, well, we won't call them aliens. We'll call them interdimensional beings. And Spielberg's like, well, what the hell is that? And he goes, they're interdimensional beings.
1: It's, it's grab, grab hold of the rope,
0: (laughs) not a snake. Spielberg and Lucas discussed the central idea of a B movie involving aliens. And Lucas suggested using the crystal skulls to ground the idea. Lucas found those artifacts as fascinating as the Ark of the covenant and had intended to feature them for a young Indiana Jones episode before the show's cancellation. M. Night Shyamalan was hired to write for an intended 2002 shoot but he was overwhelmed writing a sequel to a film he loved like Raiders of the Lost Ark and claimed it was difficult to get Ford
1: Spielberg and Lucas to focus I that I mean this is screaming M. Night Shyamalan with the whole alien thing but he I, I can understand the intimidation fully I can understand the intimidation yeah. Uh, Frank Darabont,
0: who wrote young, various young Indiana Jones episodes, was hired to write in 2002. His script, entitled Indiana Jones and the City of Gods, was set in the 1950s, with ex-Nazis pursuing Jones. Spielberg conceived the idea because of real-life figures, such as Juan Perón in Argentina, who protected Nazi war criminals. Darabont claimed Spielberg loved the script, but Lucas had issues with it and decided to take over writing himself. Lucas and Spielberg acknowledged the 1950 setting could not ignore the Cold War and the Soviets were more plausible villains. Spielberg no- decided he could not satirize the Nazis after directing Schindler's List, while Ford noted, Yeah, we plumb wore the Nazis out.
1: You know, that's a film I've never seen.
0: Schindler's List? Never seen. That's a heavy movie. You guys, you got to set aside an afternoon for that one.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. But no, I agree. They've really worn out the Nazi thing. Uh, Jeff Nathanson met with Spielberg and Lucas in August
0: 2004 and turned in the next drafts in October and November of 2005 titled The Atomic Ants. David Kep I don't know. David Kep continued on from there giving his script the subtitle Destroyer of Worlds based on the J Robert Oppenheimer quote. It was changed to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as Spielberg found it more inviting a title and actually named the plot device of the crystal skulls. Lucas insisted on the kingdom part. Kep's bright idea was Indiana Jones and the Son of Indiana Jones. And Spielberg had also considered having the title name "The Aliens" as "The Mysterians," but dropped that when he remembered that there was already another film's title. Kepp collaborated with *Raiders of the Lost Ark* screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan on the film's love dialogue. That's the love dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Kasdan, king of king of uh, romance.
1: Not really. Oh well, and you know what? That's having lawrence cast on there he was all with the other ones too wasn't he because that's a very familiar name well that's familiar because uh he's he's a, uh, I i believe oh uh, gosh what movie
0: did he write again i think it was mm, solo oh
1: god forgot about that but <laughs> he, didn't write, he didn't write the other ones he wasn't on the uh
0: I'm looking up up as IMDB right now because I want to be sure of what I say he he wrote because he's kind of like protected on high by the nerd elite.
1: (laughs) Uh, Because solo's an A.
0: (laughs) Okay, so he wrote, let's see what, let's see what people love. Okay, so he, no. Okay, so he wrote the screenplay for Empire. That's okay. I knew that. Yeah. He wrote the screenplay for Lost Ark. Okay. Okay. So, so far two, for two, uh, he wrote the screenplay for return of the Jedi. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and let's see anything else here that you would know. He wrote the bodyguard. That was good. That had some love in it. There's some love in that. If you can consider Kevin Costner acting, being able to act, he's in love. Sure. Kevin Costner can't act. It's
1: like your opinion, man.
0: All of his best dramatic roles are awful. He plays the role best when he plays himself.
1: I just kind of want to do what the, the Mariner did and just slap the back of your head. What are you thinking about? Yeah, why don't you drink your own
0: piss then like the Mariner too?
1: Why not use that on the, on the water, on the, oh, never mind. That's a different podcast. As you can tell, I just, I just re-listened to that one too. Okay. So going back, so Lawrence Kasdan is kind of, okay. So you got, he wrote The Williams. Force Awakens and
0: he wrote Solo, a Star Wars story after that.
1: Okay. So Williams, um, Lucas, Spielberg, Can you throw Kasdan in there too? Um, I
0: would throw Kasdan in if he had worked on Temple and Last Crusade also. But I get... But he didn't. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. It's close. It's close. Okay. All
0: right. Um, Look, if if you want to throw him in there, then Kasdan's credits for Indy are the best movie and the worst movie up to this point.
1: No, I I I get you. I know, but I mean, it's like okay, then why are we, you know, it's like adding Spielberg in the in there too because he didn't even write on the Star Wars ones. So yeah. Anyways, all right, you're fine. All right. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's just you, okay. Yeah, my line of thinking's weird. No, do you want to include Kazan in the Dream Team? No, 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 no. He's not part of the Dream Team. Spielberg, Lucas, Williams. Yep. Kennedy. That's a trio.
0: Kathleen Kennedy. Yes. Yes. Frank Marshall. Marshall. Frank Marshall. Really just Frank Marshall. Kathleen came around for the ride.
1: Until, yeah. No, even with this one, right? Cause they didn't buy this. She was appointed. No, she was just a producer at this point.
0: Yeah. She was just a producer.
1: All right. Yeah. Following directions. It, <laughs> best said.
0: <laughs> okay. Time. Let's go into this movie.
1: Indiana Jones. <laughs> About time you showed up. Mom! Sweetheart. Mom. What are you doing here? Oh, forget about me. Are you all right?
0: <sighs> no, Mom? man,
1: I specifically told you not no, you to come Marian here No, your... You never wrote that. Mother. You never said that in any phone calls. Marion Ravenwood is your mother. Oh, for God's sake, Indy, it's not that hard. I uh, know. I mean, I just, I, yeah. I never thought yeah. that you... I would have a life after you left. That's not what I meant. A, yes. a damn good life. Well, that's fine. a damn a- good really good life
0: well so have i
1: yeah you still leaving a trail of human wreckage or have you retired
0: why you looking for a date
1: with anybody but you so dr jones you will help us simple yes will do oh marion you had to go and get yourself kidnapped not like you did any better record Okay,
0: as the Paramount Pictures logo fades into a mountain made of sand A prairie dog peeks into the outside world from its little hill And is nearly run over by a group of reckless driving youngsters Said youngsters challenge two soldiers in the lead car of a U.S. Army convoy to a race Both cars race, but after a short while The Army car and the trucks and other cars behind it veer right and drive up to a gate And if you're wondering where Indiana Jones is in that entire piece He's not there, which makes us wonder, why is this here? And the tradition continues. The tradition continues. We have the Paramount Mountain turning into
1: something on the screen. It's a shame that it ends here. It's a little prairie dog, which-
0: Yeah, we got a prairie was, dog.
1: That's, is that is that prairie dog CGI? That prairie dog was CGI.
0: That prairie dog was some bad CGI.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah, that prairie dog was like the gopher in Caddyshack. Oh, I, yeah, I put those two on the same thing. <laughs> also, would would real U.S. agents be racing? Um, I don't know. I they know this would have pulled them over and arrested them or done something.
0: <laughs> At no point do I get the idea that these guys are U.S. Army because they never smile. And if you're the bad guys in a Spielberg movie, you're not supposed
1: to smile well the one driver smiles because he wants to race but that's about it
0: that okay that's about it yeah the other guy he's just like you know just got that i shit my pants look on his face all the time it's like Ugh.
1: yeah yeah I was, ivan drago I was wait, yeah i was waiting for one of the girls to just start flashing them
0: oh better intro
1: But see that would have been more set like in the late 60s 70s in that hippie age
0: show me those this fairy still- dogs
1: very well played
0: Okay, Russia's disguised as United States Army officials gunned down U.S. soldiers guarding the gate to Hangar 51 in Area 51. Indiana Jones and George Mac McHale are pulled out of a car's trunk and are immediately surrounded by Soviet soldiers with guns. Indy initially refuses to answer if he has been there before or not, and he is punched by Colonel Antonin Dovchenko. After refusing once more, the colonel is about to hit him once more when out of one of the cars appears Kate Blanchett. No, Dr. Irina Spalko, three-time winner of the Order of Lenin. Irina tries to read Indiana's mind, but she says he has a tough mind to read. Uh, Area 51 needs to bone up their
1: security. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to think even back then that they still had good security. But then again, it took like a whole army just to take down that gate because they just plowed through them. And I love the fact that the general walks up and then all of a sudden goes down to tie his shoes and then absolute rain of fire. Oh yeah, the fire it just goes all over the place. So, but yeah, it don't seem like there was like maybe one or two guards over there, and yet they just unleashed all holy hell.
0: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I, I when I watched this this time, I was like, wow, Harrison Ford definitely sounds like an older indie here. But it's kind of like watching that old coach for the NBA who still has that one more year left in him, you know. And it's like, well, he's still doing the job and he's still competent, so good, but. Maybe we stop
1: here. Oh, <laughs> well, that's like what, what Greg Popovich is doing now. But you know what uh, really made me think of it is when the Pistons hired Larry Brown. Larry he Brown. Still, he was still a well-established coach. And it's like, oh, well, he's getting up there towards the end. And then he does great. Of course, this movie doesn't do great. But, um, <laughs> okay. Well, I was kick- really, go ahead. Go ahead. I was really nervous with re-watching this movie because – I remembered. I, sh- I thought I remembered struggling with the old Harrison Ford. His voice changed—that grovelly, just kind of an older voice. But I was actually pleasantly surprised, and I felt like it wasn't that too far off from *Last Crusade*. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, "Okay, I think this is got uh, this is a good turn so far." Cause I was gonna, that was gonna be one of my, I thought that was gonna be one of my bottom three walking into this movie. Yeah. I could not get over the whole older Harrison Ford.
0: Yeah, I know for me, when I saw it, I was worried at first, but I was like, his character is still consistent. He still has the spirit of that archeologist adventurer. He's just moving a little bit slower. He's, and that's what I like about Indy was, he was always optimistic about his situation. And you just had the feeling that things are going to work out for him somehow, some way, some, some, some way it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I liked this also, but I'm like, I don't want to see any other indie movies after this. This is as far as we take this guy. We got, if you yeah. make any other indie movies, it's gotta be in the age range that we've seen him play as now.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, the only thing you could probably put him as is what if he were to turn into like what Marcus Brody was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a side character, but he's still Indiana Jones. Because, I mean, he heck, even Marcus Brody in Crusade, he was older, more kind of like in that retired from doing all the adventures. But he still went on the adventure.
0: Boy, they missed him in this movie, too.
1: Oh, God, yes, they did.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Kate Blanchett. I got excited. I love her as an actress. Uh, but th- when I saw her step out, I was like, okay, cool. Here comes Kate. And then she started doing the role, and I was like, did you just get the, the the dailies that day and just read them for one take and that's it? Because this is rough.
1: Yeah, I think you, you had said that it's she's written very flat, and I'm like, never thought about that until just now, and that completely matches what she does. But then again, the Russians, she played that. Russian kind of show no emotion, kind of flatness. I mean, you don't really get any real, any kind of emotion until the end. Yeah. Um. So, but... Well, she's psychic, so we are going to see
0: that work later on in this movie?
1: No. (laughs) One would think.
0: Like, don't introduce that to me and then never do it.
1: (laughs) I didn't even realize she was a psychic. I thought she was just trying. I thought that was a pun of her trying to use the force.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been funny. That would have been really funny, actually. Uh, One more nod that Spielberg gives to Lucas, right? (laughs) It's like, I put C-3PO on the hieroglyphics, and now I'll do this. Uh,
1: There's a couple more that are coming down the pipeline, too.
0: Yes. And also, uh, for those that are worried about representation in the movies, uh, in the Soviet Army, women could reach the colonel level. In fact, if you look at history, many did at this point in history. They were very much about, like, women in the military, let's go. So it kind of makes sense that this cold, cold, psychic woman would make it this high up in the Soviet Army. So yeah,
1: should, should any U S security be there by now? You would think. Yeah. I mean, they're like wandering into this huge warehouse facility and they're just still kind of marching around doing their thing. I was like, shouldn't any U S security be there already? They make it seem like the only security that was there was at the front gate. Exactly. And there's no other personnel on base. It's like talk about researching like, what was it? Lunchtime or something?
0: Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. (laughs) As the, as the group enters Hangar 51, the warehouse from the first film's ending sequence, Irina asks if Jones knows where a crate they are looking for can be ma- found. Indiana requests gunpowder since the box's contents are highly magnetized, and he uses it to guide them to the box. After they find its approximate location, Jones uses cracked shotgun shells to find the crate. When the crate is found and opened up, a humanoid form is seen wrapped in a silver material. Spalco cuts open the silver material, but before she can see the crate's contents, Jones hits a Russian and steals his gun and he takes another gun using his whip and gives it to Mac.
1: Let's bring science into this. Go ahead.
0: First, I'm going to say this. I like the call back to Area 51 and then Roswell, New Mexico alien landing. Yes. I like that aspect of it. Uh, If the box was so magnetized that the gunpowder could be just lebroned up into the air and it just floats towards it all. Then wouldn't every piece of metal in that entire place be just huddled around this one thing that's so highly magnetized, Steve?
1: Probably because everything's made of wood. But then again, I would think the whole building is made of metal, and sheet metal. Wouldn't that be kind of caving in on itself, too? Like
0: when they want when they walk in, they're wearing their dog tags. They're wearing the, she's got the sword. It doesn't move until she's standing right next to the damn thing. Yet the gunpowder will travel 50
1: yards across the room. Yeah, the gunpowder is moving at the same speed the entire time. Right. That's not how, I didn't think that's how a magnetic field works. Like it goes faster, the closer it gets to it. <laughs> and it's just, I. it just seemed really goofy that Gunpowder flies so fluid like that. It was like a cloud. Yes. Yeah. Now when they, when they opened it up and you see the
0: little alien hand, what did you think when you saw that?
1: Well, first off, I like how they did this. They treated it. Okay. They're going to 51. Same as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Even when I watched it this time, I was like, Oh, she's going after the Ark. Okay. It was the Ark the entire time. Yeah. And all of a sudden they opened it up open up the crate and i'm like wait a minute that crate looks a little smaller like i was waiting for like that burned insignia to see it i'm like wait, that isn't it and then they open it up it's this metal case i'm like the ark wasn't inside there what are they doing <laughs> like i still was <laughs> believing they're going after the ark and yeah. then they then i see this uh bag the body bag you know and i'm like oh yes that's right you know that they're going after you know an alien you know and I, I thought it was cool. Great practical effects. I yep. mean, I think that they do a good job in this series with, uh, with the practical effects. Um, I just was like, I didn't think that they were going to allude to aliens right off the bat so quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They jumped right into it. And it, I know a lot, this turned a lot of people off cause they wanted the religious aspect of this back in indie. Um, but if you watch the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, it is, it's more like those time-life mysteries of the world things that used to come out when we were kids, like Stonehenge and Atlantis yeah. and all that. That's what that was. And it was him traveling to all these places to find these new and wonderful things. And we just got to see the religious ones in the movies. But he's always been a, very much an encyclopedia brown of the science fiction.
1: Yeah, okay. Which makes <clears throat> yeah. So do you recommend watching The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles? No okay i (laughs) i couldn't get through the
0: first episode oh wow yeah it's just it feels very made for tv movie but imagine abc family in the 1990s and how dry that would have been
1: right i'll take i'll take your word for it yeah i mean you know what put
0: on the pair of pants and see if they fit is there anything else? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Threatening to shoot Spalko, Indy is in com- complete control of the situation until Mac turns his gun on his friend. Mac walks over to the Soviet side and after Spalko asks if Jones has any defiant last word, Jones simply replies, I like Ike. And he tosses the gun on the floor, which causes it to fire, distracting the Soviets and giving the archaeologists the chance to get away. Spolko tries to drive off with the crate, and Jones tries to swing onto the Jeep, but misses and crashes through a truck's windshield, saying, Damn, I thought that was closer, and promptly knocks the drivers Jefferson and Grant out. Now, driving the truck, he begins to ram Spolko. Indiana jumps on the doctor's car, throws her out of the car, and crashes into the corner of a wall of crates because we need to see the Ark of the Covenant one more goddamn time. Indy crashes his jeep into a car with Mac and Hoover inside and tries to escape, but an infuriated Dovchenko attacks him, and they fall through a skylight into an underground room with the rocket sled, which is activated when the colonel is kicked through a glass pane into a control room. A few Russians and Mack arrive to help Dovchenko, but the sled sled is activated, incinerating several soldiers as Jones and Jevchenko are rocketed through a tunnel and out into the desert by the sled on which they were fighting. Meanwhile, Spalko gets in another car, picks up Mac, and congratulates him on a job well done. Woo!
1: There's a lot to unravel.
0: There is a lot. <laughs> now, okay. I, I put it here, you know, I think another thing that bothered indie fans is that they'd become such esper- experts in WW2 with the Nazis, and they don't know a whole lot about the cold war with the USSR. So this is kind of like an unfamiliar villain for indie fans.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, world war two Nazis. That was, that was huge. And I mean, you, you, I, I learned a lot about, I mean, outside of Indiana Jones, they, they were a, they were more in the public eye And I'll be honest with you, you know, call me ignorant or whatever, but there's a, a lot of the cold war that I just still don't understand to this day. You know, it's probably, you know, the other other wars that you know off the top of your head, Vietnam. Yeah. You know? And then, then you got the Forgotten War, the Korean War. The Korean War. Yeah. 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 So it's just like Cold War is kind of yeah. second tier.
0: But I mean, it, I mean, when he says I like Ike, I go 95% of the audience has no idea what that means.
1: I just thought it was a presidential slogan. It is. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, no, I knew that, but I was just like, yeah, I didn't know if there was any. Th- other meaning behind it because he uses that towards the Russians. Right. Right. Well, he,
0: yeah. So it's the second movie in the row that they have to mention the Ark of the Covenant. This is, I hate when movies do this now because it's like, it's almost reminding you remember how great the movie was before. and It's like, yeah. And now we're going to compare this
1: to it. Well, could you, if they're gonna go into this warehouse, the same one where the Ark of the Covenant was, but never mention the Ark of the Covenant, can you do that? Yeah. There's um there's a thousand boxes in there. I know, in but fact, this is an Indiana Jones movie.
0: Yeah, but when Indy when the first one ended, you didn't know that was Area 51. And I don't believe for one second that the US has all of their artifacts in one place.
1: Do you? Round. I, one, fight. <laughs> I mean I would I would like to not think so. <laughs> this is like
0: Sean Connery in The Last Crusade going I did he didn't bring the book with him. We think I was gonna send it with him, he's gonna bring it here?
1: You did. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would like to think that they don't, but maybe it's better that I just don't know, because it's just I, I don't know, but <laughs> Is this is this the member berry that we talked about? Yep. So,
0: member the member the ark. Eh? Well, because yeah. it serves no point in the plot. It's just there in the background to make you go, "Hey, remember that?"
1: Yeah, and they. Uh, but at the, but again, at the time, I don't know if how you thought the same way I did. But when they walked in there, I thought they were going to be looking for the ark. So they've already kind of established that. You still, I mean, I think you hear the ark theme song in the background. Um. And every time I hear it, it's still great. I love having it there. I know, know? I know you do. And Indiana Jones, in the the three movies before, they did a great job on being standalone films. Yeah, You can watch them in any kind of an order. I know there's probably a more preferred, maybe Temple, like, you know, chronological. Um, But I mean, the first one I saw was Crusade. right? And then I think I saw maybe Temple, I think I watched it literally backwards. And this movie kind of changed that. Yeah. You kind of yeah. need to have you kind of need some background knowledge from the other movies, mostly Raiders, to kind of know that.
0: Yes. Uh what I really appreciate about this movie is that Indy is trying all of his old tricks. Most of them work now, but not all of them because he's older, you know? And as you get older, certain things you think Steve, how old are you? Uh, 39. 39. So when you go out playing with your kids, at stu- your students at school, your, your brain says, you're still 22. But can you still do 22? Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> I like to think that I can. There it is. You think you can. <laughs> and when you roll on the ground, you're the one that says, damn, I thought that'd be closer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is he's not incompetent because he's older. He's just not as spry. We don't want this character to age out of his own stories.
1: No, I I, I agree. And yeah. that, that is a very dirty analogy that you just used on me.
0: I mean, I could have used one on my own, but you know, it's Stevie story time.
1: <laughs> we we've had that discussion many a time. You know what? I'm still gonna go back out there. <laughs>
0: Steve, um, setting up today, I tried to set up like I did four years ago, and I fucked up. <laughs> oh,
1: damn, it should have been on. Damn. <laughs> uh, so you like the whole swing montage.
0: Okay. Swing it onto the car. L- let me be fair here. I put in here, when is swinging on his whip and lands in the car, I can feel it in my back. And I'm 44. He's 50 something. Mm-hmm. His character is definitely his mid50s. He should not be moving very well at this point.
1: I think maybe he stumbled across a little super what is it uh, a, little, a little super serum. Steve, this is
0: pr- after world war ii so the u.s probably boxed that up it's probably i mean they all keep their crap in the same place and being that india apparently in this movie has just access to every government secret imaginable which is strange for an archaeology professor at a third tier university um (laughs) don't don't, i wonder how that career path happened we'll get to that later
1: uh Okay, so yeah, I I agree with you. With him landing on there, he he took it really well. I mean, I I hated the swing and how he catches up to the moving car. Yes. I was just like that, that the timing is very, I think I'm going to use the word coincidental a lot. Yeah, this isn't Mission Impossible. It's Indiana Jones. Yeah.
0: And Uh, Mission Impossible, you go, yep, that would happen. Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise would get on that train. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's another series I have yet to see. (laughs) <laughs> saw it last night. It was awesome. I saw that. Saw the one minute review. Yeah. Um, to me, I think that I like the line. You know, I think if he would have like he lands in the car, and then he crashes through everything, then he says the line, then he knocks everybody out. I think if he would have like knocked everybody out and then said the line, I it would have worked better for me. Okay. Okay. Um. And yeah, like I said, he shakes that off really well. Like you, I like you said, he could probably hear crash into that. I mean. 10 year, 15 years ago, you'd be like, oh, ah. Right. Oh. You know, let alone and walk up a little gingerly, not continue running. But you know what? Fight or flight does a lot of things. Uh,
0: that may adrenaline be so.
1: It could be the adrenaline rush.
0: Perhaps. We've never been in this situation before. Aliens around you, shooting around, whipping from here to there. I mean, Well, Indy gets away because the ride leaves Dovchenko unconscious, and a squad of Russians give pursuit in a car. Stumbling through the desert, he finds shelter in a small town, but finds that there are no inhabitants other than various mannequins. When a warning siren sounds, Indy and the three pursuing Russians, Lincoln, Franklin, and Hoover, they named them that, but never actually say their names in the movie, realize with horror that this is a doom town, which is about to be destroyed by a nuclear bomb. The Russians get back in their car and speed away from the town while Indy seals himself in a lead-lined refrigerator. Seconds later, the bomb detonates and Doomtown is totally obliterated. The Russians and their car are ripped apart by the blast wave, but the fridge containing to Indy is blasted across the desert and protects him from the deadly radiation. Okay, he walked all that way to that town. Now, what I love is that when he first walks in the house, he goes to the water right away. He's like, I'm thirsty. I'm like, that's a good touch because he's 50-something. Dude needs nourishment.
1: Oh, I agree. And yeah, I mean, there was no other modes of transportation really there. So yeah. What else are you going to do?
0: Now, I'm not too familiar with this time period either. Did they really set up like a town where there's like a mannequin literally spraying a steady stream of water on a car?
1: That I detail mean, was necessary? There is a lot of detail there, but... You know, and that, but then they just use like plastic mannequins, you know, they didn't use like any kind of a uh, flush, like carcasses to see how it reacts to actual humans. You're just relating it to plastic. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's the case, then why have the people that, why have the mannequins there at all? I, no idea. How, how a hose or water stream reacts to radiation. This is all, this is all a test. Yeah. So I want to see how things react. I thought this was really cool. Um, I've always been fascinated with nuclear bombs and yeah. how it has its effect on buildings and seeing those pictures or videos is just captivating to me. I'm just really interested. I think what really set it off for my interest was in Terminator two. Oh, you see all that. And I was like, Holy crap. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I saw that, I was just like, "Uh Oh, well, first off I thought, Oh, it's a little town in the middle of nowhere. Oh, oh Sweet. Cool. He's, our hero got away ha ha ha. and then when he runs up and see those men i'm like oh crap okay then it all starts connecting like i connected (laughs) the same way he did and i got that indiana jones look where he's like i got don't know what else to do you got it in last crusade when it's like head for the fireplace you know where he didn't kind of know what to do um and I can't remember, they're, they're, I, they're all kind of in other movies. And I think it was when maybe Indy was on the bridge and he didn't know what to do in Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that there was another one in uh, Raiders, but uh, uh, mm, The Fridge.
0: Okay. Go the ahead. Fridge moment is something that people have a big issue with. And to those detractors, I will simply say this. Is it unrealistic? Yes but so is jumping out of a plane in a raft, surviving a pit of snakes and cobras, holding onto a submarine while it travels through open water, the number of times he is dragged by a truck, the number of times he has been shot, and escaping a lion at the age of 15. It's Indiana Jones, and if you forgive all that, then you gotta believe he's just a rubber man, and
1: this works too. Steve? submarine never went underwater
0: you have no proof of this no proof of yours either which means i could hear the thing what's more likely a ship staying on top of the water or a submarine staying on top of the water both are
1: classified as ships steve answer (laughs) the question um Right.
0: Okay. That's all I needed right right there.
1: (laughs) I have nothing. Finish him. (laughs) That might be the most well-placed finish him ever. (laughs) Okay. So to kind of go on, piggyback on what you were saying, I think this goes – The refrigerator scene goes right up there with the raft out of the plane. Agreed. Um, I think, unfortunately, you can't do this multiple times throughout a movie. Like, all the examples that you gave are over, you know, two, maybe three movies. Yeah. Might be able to do one unrealistic action piece, maybe two, and but not full-fledged scenes. Uh, to be continued later.
0: <laughs> well... Just to add to it before we move on. Okay. In Temple of Doom, not only we get the raft falling out of the sky, we also see a man's heart pulled from his chest as he stays alive, get close to lava and not burn, and a cart chase that should have killed them within 10 seconds. The cart chase in the beginning? No, the cart chase, when they're going through the, the catacombs at the end to escape Temple of Doom. The mine carts. Oh, that was a great
1: scene. Yeah,
0: it's a great scene, but so is the raft scene. But guess what? That thing would have flown off the rails way earlier. Oh, well, I agree. That's why, you know, it's, that's why I got knocked down so It's much. Indiana Jones. Well, okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark. He drops about 50 feet. No, no, I'm sorry. Marion drops about 50 feet into that pit of snakes.
1: Well, she didn't, I mean, she dropped, she landed... She went off of something, so her fall was broken by something.
0: Yeah, And she was caught, and she was caught, so yeah, she's safe. She was caught, but hit the ground. And then, they're surrounded by all those snakes. Not a single one bites them.
1: Plexiglass, go ahead.
0: (laughs) There's no real plexiglass in there, though. We're not supposed to believe that. We don't know that. Survived a submarine going underwater across open water. Underwater,
1: it was still dry on top of that submarine.
0: You Here's the thing. Steve, you find me an article that claims what you're claiming, and I will change my tune completely on it. Challenge accepted. Excellent. Okay, surviving the blast, Indy is found and interrogated by the FBI who accused him of being a communist because he was an associate of George McHale. Okay, the last time we saw Indy, he was 39 years old in the last crusade and an archaeologist university professor. How did he enlist in the military for World War II and rise to colonel so fast? Did the street racers in the Fast and Furious movies all of a sudden turn into global spies here?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean.
0: <laughs> this is also in the midst of the paranoia of the of, around communism on American soil. We're about three years removed from the McCarthy hearings in 1957. Um, which was 1954 was McCarthy. Uh, so I can understand the paranoia that they've got about all this. Uh, I just wish they hadn't like, I wish they would have just been like, look, we're just questioning a teacher here as opposed to questioning a hero in the military in world war II."
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Cause at 39 years old, they would have never taken him. They drafted all 18, 19,
1: 20 year olds. Yeah. And at that time there was no draft. Well, no, there still was. The draft kind of ended after Vietnam. Yeah. Um, Bedford, Connecticut. As
0: soon as Jones returns to the university, he is sent away on a temporary break with full pay because the FBI ransacked his office. His friend, Brody, I'm sorry, Dean Charles Stanforth had to quit his job to get Jones the offer he got. Indiana sadly states that the past few years have been very tough because both his dad, Henry Jones senior and the museum director, Marcus Brody have passed away. Jones decides that there is nothing left for him at the university. So he buys a train ticket to New York shortly after boarding the train. However, he is confronted by Mutt Williams who asks him if he has ever met Harold Oxley back in the classroom. This is an indie movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of, uh, it was kind of sad to see not Marcus Brody walk through that door the same exact way as uh, this new Dean.
0: It's almost written for Marcus and they had to get a replacement.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. Cause I think Brody died in 1992. Uh, so he wasn't gonna make this movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. It's, it, it, I think if it was Marcus, it would hit harder because when he reveals he quit his job to get Jones the offer, it's kind of like, redeeming him for what they did to him in in last crusade. Yes. Which was they took adult and made him selfless again. Honorable. Mm -hmm. I love the line. We seem to have reached the age where life stops giving us things and starts taking them away. Like Marcus always gave that one or two fortune cookie lines in his meetings with Indy. At home or in wherever he was, and it's a great line. Um, the scene is also the Marcus Anyone we get in Raiders and Crusade, it's part of the formula.
1: Yes, I mean, this is you said it right, it, this is still written for Marcus Brody. And I think I'm willing to bet the guy who actually played the Dean, he, um, Dean Charles, yeah, he really took that role. And I felt like it meant something to him, and he he honored they honored Brody very very well, definitely. Even with giving him that line, because it's just like you can easily replace him with that. Um, But also giving the the the, the statue in the middle of the square, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really they really honored him. Granted, it's a guy who got lost in his own library, museum. (laughs) Brought that back.
0: Not gonna go there. Uh, This is this is how they explain Wayne Marcus's absence. Uh, I don't understand why they did it to Sean Connery. Uh, He had retired in two thousand six, so in two thousand seven, when they're sitting there talking about this movie, he actually denies rumors saying that retirement is just too damned fun.
1: Oh, that's what Sean Connery said. Yeah, so Sean Connery could have returned, but because he he didn't pass away yet. No. Maybe that was his way of just saying, he says, you know what? I did my thing. And you know, I, I got to I just don't like the idea that they killed him off
0: when he's still alive.
1: Well, if he would have was still alive somewhere, you'd expect him to kind of come back a little bit. Maybe. But it makes you laugh know. at the end of the movie
0: when Indy looks at Marion and Mutt and says, somewhere your grandfather's laughing. I was like, yeah, wherever his vacation home is because he's still alive.
1: <laughs> maybe. Or even if they just had hinted, you know, that they're going to take him to go meet his grandfather.
0: So are you happy that they addressed this with the characters?
1: I, I, I like that they took the time out of the movie and did this with both characters. If they would have just blown this off, there would have just been way too many questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, this was a, this was their salute to the franchise. Unfortunately, I think they should have spent more time specifically on Marcus in the scene, but I guess now that I look at it, the big picture, after talking about it, they kind of did. Yeah. So I guess I can rebuttal that statement because he was a staple. I just as much as Indy, well, maybe not just as much, but to this franchise, he's part of the formula. Uh, yeah. I guess what I was thinking is when he's sitting down at that, at his desk, he looks at Brody for like half a second, but then talks about his dad and then they get, and they zoom in on his dad. I guess yeah. that's what I was thinking of. And it says, and that's why I said, I get it you kind of mourn more for your mom and dad than I guess you maybe your colleague.
0: Perhaps. Um, this is also where we get mutt, Mutt inch is introduced. He's comes up on the, uh, the, the motorcycle and this movie is kind of establishing right away that the old way of looking at indie, the sand, the, the, the Nazis and all that stuff. We're in the nuclear age now. And so now it's the fish out of water. Can Indiana Jones that we fell in love with in those first three movies operate in this new world. Okay. And I think between the atomic blast that you see, the fact that we're dealing with Soviets, and then you see Mutt, a greaser, showing up, it's like, okay, this is a brand new world. Let's see if Indy can operate in it. And I think the goal of this movie is to show you that no matter what time it is in, Indy is still relevant in that time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that was really cool. Dial of Destiny was- should have taken some notes. <laughs>
1: You know, I had me thinking when Mutt all of a sudden shows up, because before this, you said that he bought a ticket to New York. What was yeah. he going to New York for? Sure, I just try to get another job? Um, I forgot the reason why he was going to New York. It may have been to find another job. It's almost like, okay. So, okay, that being said, yeah, it's almost like this is Temple of Doom where he stumbles across the adventure that he has to go to. Yeah, because he's minding his own business. And all of a sudden, Mutt finds him. Happens, sadly. So, well, he's. Well, that's the thing. He's been
0: sought out by Mutt. In the first movie, the agents sought out Indy about the Ark. In the third movie. Third movie. Who who approaches him in the third movie? Uh, Donovan does. Diamond approaches him about the grail.
1: Yeah. So in this one, Mutt's the one who is the call to adventure. Okay. 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 So I guess technically he falls into the lap of all of them. Yes. But more the the tribe, the Indian tribe and temple, he goes to them. He They don't seek out him. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's oh, my
0: thing. Yeah, also, and we'll get this a little bit later. Mutt gives Indiana a letter that was sent by his mother, Mary Williams. Indy and Mutt discuss Oxley's situation when two KGB agents try to capture them, but a greaser and sock fight breaks out, and the archaeologist and his new sidekick get away. A brief university campus chase starts, but it ends with one, when one of the two pursuing Russian cars crashes into a statue of the now deceased but brilliant Marcus Brody. Uh, Lucas originally wanted Mutt to be a daughter.
1: Not a very good name for a girl.
0: Well, change the name, obviously. But Marion? Maybe. Spielberg oh. wanted to be a son so it could echo Indy and his father, Henry. So I said before, Lucas knows how to do fathers and sons really well. It was actually Spielberg's idea to do the father and son idea. Okay. Uh So we got the call of action. He's approached by someone to find a MacGuffin and also reunite with someone from his past. That's an indie thing. You need that in an indie movie. Uh, The University Chase. I know you're gonna have a problem with this. It's in my top three chases of the entire series Uh, because it's quick and I think it's inventive and it's editing to make you feel like it's longer than it actually is. Uh, My number one is the Convoy Chase and Raiders which I also know you don't like. Okay. My number two is the university chase in Crystal Skull, and my number three is the tank chase in Last Crusade.
1: Uh, we are one hundred percent opposite of this one. So what are? Oh my god, your numbers! <laughs> <laughs> so one, two, like, just go, just explain what you wrote. <laughs> uh, I well, for, I know you like it, chase, and I, I I I do see that your your side of it, and I think that's a Spielberg thing. And the more and more Spielberg films that I that we've done, great, I've only done three. Um, I start to notice that is kind of where his direction is. Yeah. And I'd be curious to see his movies because they said Jaws was like really a defining moment for him on how he directs. So I'd be curious to see what he did before Jaws, Jaws, and then obviously I've seen movies after just to see how he's changed as a director. Yeah, um, I didn't really like the chase again. I thought it was just unrealistic as all hell and I just couldn't get past it. And it's starting to become a common theme in this movie. Uh, My ranking for the chases, uh, the tank chase from last crusade. I like that one. Uh, The convoy chase, even though I did knock it, it's still really cool how he goes underneath the car. Not when he's dragged, but when he goes underneath. Okay. Um, uh, The car chase in temple in the very beginning was short round. Oh, where he's driving. Yes, I like that. That was fun. And number 44 on the list. Uh, Anything crystal crystal skull chase is just out there. (sighs) I'm sure there's a bunch no. in between. I
0: just forgot. No! no. I gotta do this movie dirty like that. I, sorry. Uh, I do like the line, nice try, kid, but you just brought a knife to a gunfight. It's a great line, but unfortunately it was said first by Sean Connery in The Untouchables. Wink, wink, nod, nod. There's your nod to
1: Connery. And now that i think that that's even it's even worse now that they've killed him off and said that quote right because he was still alive damn it (laughs) no and you know what they did and at the very end they did marcus dirty you're damn right they did him dirty with his head popping off which looked terrible by the way it almost looked like there was like a slight delay with the head popping off plus the whole statue isn't top heavy like that. It would the whole thing would just fall over. And if it fell over and then his head happened to fall <laughs> off that way, could kind it of hit the ground, then okay, I get it. But just his head to come off just it just didn't seem physically possible. I <laughs> <Gone>. ahead.
0: <laughs> Following a series of clues left in a riddle written in a dead language by Oxley, Mutt and in Indiana, uh, they figured that the skull must be in Nazca, Peru. I like Indy figuring out the dead language riddle. He's get gets all giddy like a schoolboy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he. Th- this this whole thing is just the exposition is fun. I love the riddle solving and the history. Yeah, uh, it's like a little treasure hunt. The music I think does really well in these scenes too. That little puzzle. Mystery explaining the exposition on Indy's part. It's a mystery theme Yeah, that's kind of in the Indy series. These are always my favorite parts.
0: I like them also. And more importantly, I like the fact that, you know, Mutt's kind of ripped on his age a couple of times already, and he just kind of ignores it for the most part because he knows he's got nothing to prove. Yeah. You know? and But what I like about this movie is that it does flip the script um, when it comes to how Mutt views Indy because from this point on the riddle point on, it's almost like Indy is bringing along a student and the student is asking questions and there's a back and forth of mutual respect based on that relationship. Uh, Indy's still the man and he has something to learn
1: from Indy. He is, but they almost how sometimes with Mutt and what he says and his dialogue almost sounds like he's got some kind of uh He's got some kind of knowledge of archeology span somehow, but that's never really explained. Um like he's there, there's interest there, but you know, all we know is that he likes to work on motorcycles.
0: Well, Ox was someone that the family knew Harold Oxley. And I think Harold Oxley filled in a role uh, for Mutt before the stepdad entered the picture. And maybe even after the stepdad entered the picture, he was kind of like, no, I'm gonna hang out with Harold Oxley, he's more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, They visit the sanitarium where Oxley was held and they discover that he had drawn a location to Ariana's cradle, which didn't mean his birthplace, but his final resting place. Ariana, a conquistador, was believed to have been searching for the skull before vanishing mysteriously. There's a lot of little flares here, one of which is Mutt's use of the knife, which leads to his background with blades later on. And all of that is him actually playing with it. There's no CGI in that. He practiced that every single time they were off screen, apparently.
1: I I, I believe that. I just, I I don't understand. You said it leads to his background with blades. When was that ever brought up? Uh,
0: He fights with a sword.
1: Oh, he fights with a knife. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, Indy rode with Pancho
1: Villa. This guy is like the Forrest Gump of archaeology. I'm sure this would be a lot cooler if I knew what that was. (laughs) (laughs) This went right over my head. I have like... All right, I'll just take it that he's a big name person, but I don't—I I didn't have the respect for it because I didn't know.
0: I do love watching Shia and Harrison together on the screen. They both know their characters so well that the conversation feels very natural. Uh, these are two—and I know people don't want to hear this—they are two great
1: actors. Great, great actors make it look effortless. There's one. Yeah, there's, Harrison is a great actor. Yes. Shia. Great actor. I mean, he's, I don't know. Is he an A or is he a B?
0: Is Shia as an actor? Yes. yes. I think Shia as an actor is an A, but everyone wants to call him a B because they don't like his personal life.
1: I don't know anything about his personal life. And I call him a B.
0: But... Well, oh, great. Mac is back. Do we care about Mac at all in this? I, Other than
1: he has a history with Indy clearly. Yeah. But now that he's betrayed him, now you kind of question anything he is with, with Indiana anymore. Those two have written written each other's friendships off already in the very beginning. So yeah. Why does he need to be there?
0: Yeah. And seeing much shed tears for Oxley when he's looking at the wall, they are doing a great job of fleshing him out in a way that makes the audience start to sympathize with him, because it is very clear at this point, shy as the heir apparent, well, yeah, when
1: this happened, I was thinking, I was like, who, who is ox to mutt again? Is he, I thought it's like, is it like a step grand, or was it so I, first I said grandfather and I'm like, no, well, that can't be on Indy's side. But I was thinking like, I don't, what, 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 where was the importance of Ox there? Because it's almost seemed like he like, like he was his grandfather, like so, he's a, a, a relative who's missing all of a sudden.
0: So I've got something here from the Indiana Jones wiki. Uh, It said the boy, this boy fashioning himself, Mutt Williams quickly befriended Oxley and considered Harold to be a surrogate father and a kindly uncle figure after his adoptive father's death before both reunited with Mutt's biological progenitor, Indiana Jones. So the stepfather died and he turned to Harold Oxley. So surrogate dad, there it is. Um,
1: What? probably should have mentioned that well I just read it at uh, the movie okay look I can't explain every implication in the movie that this that, <laughs> this movie the, the series does a good job of those fine-tuned details yes uh,
0: they they did not they how come I never thought that he was anything other than that and I didn't need to read that I picked that up well, you're we're... smarter than I am.
1: Occasionally.
0: (laughs) Okay. They journey through the tomb and in the process defeat two cemetery worker warriors who are indigenous people wearing skulls as masks. One is killed when Jones blows a poisonous dart into his throat, right when he was about to fire it. And the other is scared after it is hit with a shovel. And when Jones threatens to shoot it, you're a teacher part-time. That's a trailer right there. (laughs)
1: That's a great tagline better than the other ones. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, that's got trailer written all over it for sure. Yeah. And I
0: love that exchange. Normally I'd be like, this is out of place, but I love it because the, not just the way that it's performed where Shia is kind of like, Jesus, who is this guy? But also he's up here. Shy is down here. They've
1: established Indy has the high ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. What I was thinking during that scene, <laughs> except, you know, Shyla didn't try it no because Cheyenne knows he's a good actor
0: this action set piece this set piece is often forgotten it's clearly on a sound stage but I love this scene especially when it considers how it foreshadows the warriors later on in the movie who are also hidden in all those little areas in
1: the uh uh cradle yes yeah yeah it
0: this is is, spooky
1: as hell (laughs) it is it's creepy and it took me it still takes me by surprise um probably because it's often forgettable Uh, yeah it's still a really cool set and i was just like the the whole scene of them going in and out of like the different crevices was really cool yes okay these indigenous people they know they're here to protect them i kind of got like a couple times this movie kind of like what last crusade did with the grail protectors these okay. are kind of the same people, but they're just indigenous. Well, I guess you can consider the same thing for the Grail protectors. There's These are protectors of the whatever the realm or whatever they're trying to protect. So okay. I was just like, so the gun scares them off. Yes. Rolls the gun out, scares them off. I mean, I thought Indiana and – I thought they were done for by going up against these indigenous people. Oh, I did too. <laughs> they, about how they fought, and I'm glad – all of a sudden Harrison Ford and Mutt all of a sudden just didn't know like Kung Fu because clearly these indigenous people know how to fight. They also had the element of surprise of going in and out of these little areas. I was just surprised that that just guns. I mean, how many were there? There are
0: two apparently. Yeah. And I, but I love the fact that Indy jumps up and does the blow dart in the guy's throat. That was that was risky. Great. It,
1: that, yes, it was very risky. <laughs> that's timing.
0: He, if he's just a fraction of a second off, that's in his throat.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what she said. That, look at you. There you go, JC. That one was for you.
0: <laughs> As they journey into a grave, a huge scorpion stings Mutt, but Indy tells him not to worry because the bigger the better. The two continue and eventually find seven mummified beings at the bottom of the grave. They open one and the corpse considerably disintegrates seconds after being exposed to the air. Mutt and Indy soon discover that a second corpse has already been opened. Jones picks up some golden coins and these fly towards the corpse in the bandages. Mutt is given Francisco de Oriana's armor-clad corpse to hold while Indy looks for the crystal skull in the bandages. After he finds it, Mutt's blade is immediately pulled towards the skull. Both of them note that neither gold nor crystal is magnetic. As they emerge from the tomb, they find themselves surrounded by Soviets, including Mac Dovchenko, and Kate Blanchette. Jones and Williams are taken to a Soviet camp in the middle of a jungle. Uh, I love the traveling in the catacomb because it feels like Temple of Doom.
1: I understand how you can see that. I got more of a Raiders feel. Of going through all the spider webs and whatnot. And there's a couple times that actually happens.
0: Yes. And why are the spiders always so damn busy in these goddamn places? Like it's always oh. cobwebs everywhere. Why can't it just be a clean tomb so that I don't have to squirm in my chair watching this shit?
1: All right. Well, I mean, for the record, they're not cobwebs because cobwebs are created by dust. Um, these are spider webs. and I don't remember ever seeing spiders in here. Do you? They're there. <laughs> One big spider. There's a scorpion. That's like a spider with a tail. Yeah, and that don't even get me started. That was that 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 whole thing with. Uh, it was cool to see him getting attacked by something because we've kind of seen that on every single indie. Yeah, I saw it with the with your the, the tarantulas and raiders and lost ark all over his back and going across his chest and going up by his neck, um, and then uh, him falling into the pit of snakes. Yes, and in temple I guess bugs crawling all over Willie, and then this one was the scorpions crawling all over but I just didn't like you know if they he would just shake them off and then that was it and he's a little freaked out and he doesn't get stung no he gets Not he okay he, he gets stuck I, I know he does but then they they kind of went with that a little further see outside. I like that because they established that
0: indie's thing is snakes mutts is bugs and these things and
1: they have their little fears here well is it a is it a new fear is it an old fear because I mean let's if you didn't have a fear of bugs before and that happens well you do now. So it's not really a previous fear, it's just
0: Well, was you know, snakes a previous fear before he fell into that vat of snakes?
1: Well, you didn't know that until the third movie.
0: Aren't they around the exact same age when this happens? Uh you gotta figure Mutt's about 18, would, 19 years old. You figure Indy's about 15, 16 in his movie.
1: Oh, yeah, give or, yeah, okay, give or take about five years.
0: All right. <laughs> uh no, it was I, nighttime I, when they went in and it was daytime when they came
1: out how long were they in there <laughs> i mean the sun does rise quick i mean <laughs> it, it, if they go in there at like 4 a.m you know I, but then again why would you wait that long did they sleep beforehand and then why did they write around that time then i don't i
0: don't know But I'm glad that you're you're defending the choices in this movie, thank you. Um, Okay, what is this thing, is what Indy says to Mutt. He looks at me and goes, what is this thing? And uh, this is about 54 minutes in, halfway through this movie, and what I love is that Indy is using Mutt to bounce ideas off of because he recognizes value in him. If Indy's on board with Mutt, then the audience will feel on board with him how to pass the torch 101. Well, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Dial of destiny, everybody. Okay. A drunken Mac. Okay, we're in Ilha Aramaca, Brazil. A drunken Mac stumbles into the tent where Indy is being held with his hands and feet, strapped down in what looks like a dentist's chair, and talks about why he betrayed him. And when Irina enters, Mac simply says, This is all just like Berlin. Irina suggests using the skull to control people's minds to win the war using the greatest weapon of all, the mind. She states that the skull was not made by human hands and proceeds to slice open an alien corpse found in New Mexico, the corpse she stole from Hangar 51. It is revealed that the alien's bones are made of crystal, just like the skull. Jones is about to be exposed to the skull's power by having him look into its eyes when Irina states that it does not talk to everyone. A deranged professor, Harold Oxley, who was also at the campsite, though he was enjoying himself as he danced around a raged camp, probably drunk off his ass, is brought in, and Indy tries to talk some sense into him, but to no avail. After some exp- exposition and a brief explanation of her plan to turn everyone in the world into a communist, the skull is put away, and Mac, fretting over his friend's well being, unties Indy, who breaks his nose with a single punch.
1: Oxley is bananas. <laughs> yes yes he is and i'm sure he was drinking vodka just like everybody else was in that scene what'd you think of john hurt as uh, harold oxley dude he's crazy he did a great job of taking that persona and he played crazy very well not only with just his acting but the costume design and the makeup and what they did with them, they just took that to a whole new level. I firmly believe that he was out of his mind.
0: Yeah, I love how Andy's like, you know, we went to school together and you were never this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and
1: that's just a quick piece of humor. That's, I wasn't forced in there like that. It was very subtle. Yeah. Uh, the skull won't
0: work for Spalco. So she has Indy staring in the eyes, yet later in the movie, the skull attached to the interdimensional beings works for her.
1: So uh, maybe, maybe on its own, it won't work. Uh, or, or, you know, I actually took it as she says that, I think she says that for sheer of what would happen to her if she looked at it, cause she knows what, what happened with Ox. So maybe she's just saying that because she doesn't want that to happen to her. But when it's connected at the end, she, I think she's just mesmerized by the entire event. Wouldn't this have been a good place though to show her psychic powers? Are there really psychic powers?
0: Basically, no. They certainly say that there are at the beginning, but they have no intention of proving it at all. This.
1: No. Yeah. There's no psychic powers.
0: Um, Spalco blackmails, Indiana into helping her by first threatening to kill mutt, who defiantly combs his hair and tells the professor not to give these pigs a thing. And then by threatening mutt's mother, who turns out to be Indy's old flame, Marion Ravenwood, who had also been kidnapped. Uh, You know what? I'll, I'll say it. Marion Ravenwood is a welcome surprise in this. Uh, And her spirit, from Raiders is not diminished here. She feels like Marion and I love that from Raiders to now, it's clear there was an unhappy break and now they're back together. Hope they don't reset it again in Dial of Destiny. Oh wait,
1: they do. <laughs> you just keep scratching my Dial of Destiny itch there. I wanna see how this all plays out. That's a completionist in me.
0: You're gonna watch the first 15 minutes, call me up saying, what the hell did they do to Indiana Jones?
1: <laughs> i i remember seeing him from the trailer what did you he like, like older did you like older marion so older harrison yes i was I, I i was able to get over him easily he doesn't i don't think he actually looked that bad i was trying to kind of remember what he looked like obviously he was younger in last Crusade. i get that older marion be careful nope nope <laughs> nope Hated it No I I could not stay As soon as she was revealed I felt like It was a forced Easter egg Or member berry A dingleberry Whatever you want to call it I don't I just felt that was Forced I did not Like Kurt In this at all Steve I feel
0: it was forced also And Why is Marion here Like Why would they Kidnap her I need help from you. Fill this in for me. I don't want this beautiful
1: addition to this movie to be a major plot hole. So, what I initially thought when Marion kept well, first off, I didn't like it that first, I didn't is that her? I was like, <laughs> I, 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 with all due respect. Look, I think she's you know. aged well here. Uh, I had to double check to see if that really was her. When was, yeah, when was like, Raiders? Lock, Raiders Lock was what? 82. 81. 81 this
0: is 2008. So she will have aged. For all you mathematicians, 27 years. I think she looks great for having aged almost
1: 30 years since then. Well, somebody's got, somebody has to, or else they wouldn't have let her play in this movie.
0: And you got to consider the fact that that's with her alcoholism.
1: I didn't even know she had alcohols. Marion. Oh, well, okay. Okay. The character. Okay. Yeah, No, no, not Karen about Allen. <laughs> I about
0: you know, I, I hear it back and I hear what I said now. Yeah. Karen Allen, you're a treasure. Okay. <laughs> Marion had the hmm, problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: okay. So your question is why was Marion there? So what I yes. actually took at this as the Russians kidnapped Marion as a bargaining chip to have Indy do what they want. But because they, they know that there was a relationship.
0: But it was severed some 20 years before, or 18 years before. Well, clearly it wasn't. But it was.
1: Because Mutt doesn't even unless, know. Unless the Russians knew that they had a kid together. So, is it technically ever really set? I don't.
0: Well, here's my question because I'm as I'm watching this, I'm trying to put this together as I watch this, and I'm like, okay, at one point, she looks at Mutt and says, I told you not to come here. I told you not to do this. So, then my question is, was Marion working with Harold Oxley? Because remember, Marion's father was a prominent archaeologist. Was she working with Harold Oxley? And when Oxley went missing, she went looking for Oxley
1: and got kidnapped herself. Well, you'd have to explain the relationship. Well, then how does Mutt ever meet Oxley? Well, that's earlier on. Yeah, but it's got to be through Marion.
0: Right. I'm saying Marion recently, when Harold Oxley went missing the the year or so before, that's when Marion went looking and sent him letters saying, don't follow me
1: that I can buy because they knew they, they must Oxley and Marion must have had some sort of spread great best friend relationship to the point where I can't let this person go missing. Yeah. You know, she, you she know, she's got that adventure probably still in her that she probably shouldn't have just like, you know, I should not be going out and playing soccer, but I do. Um, <laughs> and she knows that, Mutt has a relationship with him as well. It says, do not follow me. It's too dangerous. So that explains why she says for him not to come out here or follow him. So
0: maybe it was more putting pressure on Mutt and not Indiana Jones. Could be. Yeah, because I don't think they know Indiana Jones. Because I think we see Mac following them. So he must report to them like oh yeah the kids here find his mother that'll turn them okay well yeah but either way it, it I like seeing them together I don't like how it's written that they're they're there together it's not, not not enough is explained as to why she's here
1: No and as soon as they see each other they go off on this tangent conversation of just bickering at each other and I'm like why are the Russians just standing there letting this nonsense conversation just go on? Damn it, Indy. It's not that hard. And you know, I'm surprised he didn't pick up on cause she goes, Indiana Jones, you know, but then she brushes off next to him and goes hugs mutt. And I was like, did she call is his name? Indiana. I mean, I know he's Henry, C- Henry the yeah. third or junior, junior. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, Waiting for the connection for Indiana to kind of make that, but I guess that wasn't there. No. So, um, I see I like
0: their interaction. I think it's playful and nice, but I also you're right. In that situation, it's the wrong time for that conversation.
1: Yeah, because all the eyes and the Kate Blanchett's character, Spalco or whatever. Hella. Yeah. All, all their I'm gonna start using that. <laughs> all, their all their attention is on them and right. they're just kind of doing their own nonchalant bickering back and forth it's just like it was yeah it was awkward. that conversation would have worked out a
0: lot better in the back of that truck when they were back there with the one yes. guard
1: yes <clears> or if they were all just put them in a tent and captive and then they have that conversation or whatever i don't know now that being
0: said i i know i said this is like the toy story four of the series toy story three ended last crusade was the ending but I always kind of wondered what happened to Marion. And the reason why is because we get the happy ending at the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where they walk off together. And then the next movie is a prequel, which means you're not gonna get Marion there. So what happened to Marion after they walked off together in Last Crusade? Because she's never mentioned again. So this the kind last, of-
1: The last this, time you see Marion is them walking down the steps going for a drink. Yes. Okay. And then the movie cuts out with the arc being put into 51. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: So this is kind of like Okay, like it Toy Story 3, we got to say goodbye to Woody. This movie we'd say goodbye to Buzz. It's not necessary. I agree with you. No, it's, but it's, No, it's I like to see in, Indy got his ride off into the sunset with his boys and his reputation. But now he gets yes. to ride off into the sunset with a family.
1: It's Indiana Jones who cares? It's about him. That was the perfect ending. Didn't need any of this. <laughs> you, so, you look so disappointed. <laughs> you can't not sit there and say that the ending of Last Crusade isn't textbook. It's like, No, it's the it's perfect the, ending. It's the perfect ending. The ending and... of Toy Story 3 was perfect. I do not like Toy Story 3.
0: Round two. <laughs> Jones deciphers what Oxley has been saying in the clues he draws on some paper. Both Jones and Spalco partially to locate the temper of Akator by figuring the Amazon River to be the Great Snake, and that a dream Oxley had written about on his ideograms refers to a river called Sono, Portuguese for sleep or rest.
1: <laughs> the Great Snake.
0: <laughs> Stop playing with your great snake. While everyone is distracted, Mutt seizes the opportunity to punch a Soviet soldier and overturn a table, indicating to the group to escape. Spalko and the soldiers are about to give chase, but Mutt sets one of their tents
1: on fire. Well, that is one way to escape, Steve, but where are you planning on going? I actually would probably think that the camp is safer than the jungle of the Amazon. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> Um, that's the first
0: thing I thought of. <laughs> it's but like, I also know this, Indiana Jones in all of his movies tends to make rash decisions without thinking about the next step also.
1: Yeah, that's a very rash decision though. It's like, okay, we're going. Oh shit. But it's also <laughs> like what Marion says
0: to Mutt later on where she's like, what's he going to do next? And she goes, I don't think he thinks that far ahead. And I'm like, yeah, because yeah, Mutt doesn't true. either. <laughs> He's got that in him.
1: Yeah, that's true okay uh, the escape plan yeah how does anyone not see <laughs> walk in i mean is this supposed to be kind of sneaky because the camera's not doing a good job because it's completely fo- focusing on him the entire time yeah and at one point, I was expecting somebody there, whether it's Indiana, Marion, or any Russian, to go to, – to acknowledge it. It's like I was waiting for Indiana Goes, yes, what do you need? You know? It's like that kid who's just standing there <laughs> waiting next to you, not saying anything, but it's like, what do you want? Rich. You're standing there for a reason <laughs> and because he's right there. I just – I thought that was like – it would have been better if, like, they're doing all their thing, they're talking, and all of a sudden, muck comes out of nowhere yeah. and just – punches somebody then they take off that would have made more sense but this was it did it seem awkward to you
0: i didn't even notice honestly
1: (laughs) it was so it was awkward that's a great way to describe it that whole thing is awkward okay
0: uh, when Indy and Marion fall into a dry sand pit, Mutt runs, runs off to get something to pull them out with. While they are sinking, Marion reveals that Mutt is Indy's son. To which Indy reacts by arguing with Marion about letting Mutt quit school, despite the fact that he had told Mutt that it felt wrong that if it he, 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 felt wrong that he shouldn't do it. He should have done what he wanted to do. Mutt returns with a huge rat snake, and Marion easily climbs out. However, Indy has a harder time due to his phobia of snakes, so they call it a rope, and Indy eventually makes it out. <laughs> Oxley told to get Okay.
1: Go. <laughs> Let's talk about the stink in the room. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'll start with this. I like the conversation between Indy and Marion.
1: I like that it is a conversation you would have if you know you're going to die.
0: Yeah. Uh before that, <laughs> I I I find it humorous that he tries to explain the difference between quicksand and a dry sand pit while they're in this trouble. But that being said, it feels forced and ultimately I don't get it in this movie. Like, this is not a teachable
1: moment right now. <laughs> no, and I think that's like, you know, uh, the excitement in Indiana, but just the wrong kind of excitement. Like when he's doing all of his puzzles and his riddles, you can see that excitement in him. Yeah you've never really seen it in a teachable moment like this, where you're trying to explain the differences. So this was something that's kind of new that, wait a minute, Indiana's never been like this. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I did think it was kind of funny as it's, as he's explaining says, Oh, the difference between quicksand, it says, Oh, you do you don't have to worry. We're not going to sink unless you get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that was an Indiana Jones comedy moment. And I liked that. That yes. was funny. Yeah. Uh, that is a real snake that they
0: use, a rat snake, until he grabs it.
1: Then it turns into a gummy worm. That was a bad forced gag. Yeah. And I had to look up what a rat snake is because I'm looking at, because rat snakes are, they're common around here in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, They usually weigh about two pounds. That thing looked like a far out, Python. Rat snake, black racers, they're kind of the same thing. Because you get them around the yard here. They hide the tall grass. They actually curl up like a rattlesnake and try to shake their tail, but they got nothing there. They're completely non-venomous. Um, but that thing was an all-out python. Um not a rat snake.
0: And, unless and, I know and being that it is clearly a much larger snake than you're used to hearing it is. Yes. Uh, you would not be able to tell me it's a rope. And I go, okay. Is that how it works? No, it's not how it works. (laughs) If I've got a spider on my arm, you can't just say it's a sugar glider. And I go, Oh, look at the cute little guy. I don't do that. It's a fucking spider.
1: (laughs) And they're throwing this real snake around. Like, like it's a prop. I was just like, I mean... If that was the case, Steve, then in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he
0: gets in the plane and he sees, oh, that's my pet, Reggie, he should have said, why don't you just tell me it's a bag of dildos? I'm okay then.
1: Oh, whoa. It's just a really big rope. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. I don't... Okay. (laughs) like,
1: okay, um, <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's almost like, you know, okay. It's a rope grab onto it. Okay. It's like when, you know, your dad or your mom's says you don't want to eat something. It's like, well, plug your nose so you don't taste something gross. That's exactly what it is. But that works
0: because you actually can't taste it. You can't sit there saying it's a rope and you go
1: it's magically a rope.
0: No, it's still, it, he's still grabbing onto the mouth end of a snake.
1: Well, let's be honest. It was probably a rope when he was grabbing it. it
0: no, that was definitely not a snake when his hands got on that
1: thing. Cause that well, skin stretched. <laughs> is that the same technology that was used in Waterworld? Oh, I don't know, possibly. Because I mean, they're calling it a rope, but it was very elastic.
0: <laughs> it, <laughs> yes, Steve he bungeed out of a hot air balloon on a rat snake <laughs> That makes Aaron. it so much better okay. <laughs> The next day, Spalko and some soldiers travel in a car through the jungle along with a small caravan of trucks and cars, one of which is travel, uh, transporting Oxley, the Skull, Mac, and some soldiers, all led by the beastly Jungle Cutter. In a truck at the tail of the caravan, Dovchenko guards their bound prisoners Jones, Ravenwood, and Williams. Marion takes the time to tell Mutt that Jones is his real father. Mutt doesn't believe it, and Jones and Marion end up arguing about their past. Colonel Dovchenko, tired of the argument, eventually gags Marion. Jones and Mutt use the opportunity to kick the Colonel. Into unconsciousness. I know there's a line in here. It says, he goes, it, when he's p- pulling the gag off Marion's mouth, she says, I'm sure I wasn't the only one moving out of my life. There must have been plenty of women for you over the years. And Indiana Jones says, There were a few, but they all had the same problem. Marion says, What? He goes, They weren't you, honey. And I'm sitting there going, Where have I heard this before? Holy shit they plagiarized this in Ant-Man Quantumania with Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. That was one of my favorite moments in that movie was that exchange. I was like, son of a bitch. They stole it from crystal skull.
1: <laughs> was that cheaping it now for you?
0: A little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I do like that they revealed the mutt right now that he's in his dad. Cause normally in a movie they'd reveal at the very end, you know, but this is like, let's let him deal with this on top of all this shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. The look on his face is just like, kind of does one of those back and forth like him. Right. And uh, I love, he's like, and by the way, you're going to school. <laughs>
0: That's he turned season. into his father right then and there
1: yes,
0: <laughs> yeah I could I could watch another five minutes of the conversation in the back of that truck that's why I think that that one convo that they had in the middle of the camp should have happened back there because yeah. that's when you have the conversation and the fact that thechenko's sitting there going, "Oh my God, just shut up." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, so wonderful. Okay, after freeing themselves, they take control of the truck, and Indy finds an RPG and blows up the tree-wrecking vehicle, which surprises Spalco. Indy, Mutt, and Marion leave the truck they were being held captive on after it is nearly split in two by the cutter's blades, which were sent flying after the vehicle's
1: explosion. Okay, when he comes to the window with the RPG, I laugh every time. (laughs) I... I was surprised when I saw that. I was just like, okay, they open up the door and he comes through I was just like, holy oh, shit, I got a rocket launcher here, man. There's uh, so many
0: yeah, wonderful uh, things uh, in that seven second span where you just see, that's where you get the exchange of, I don't think he thinks that far ahead. Then you see the rocket launcher come through and he goes, move over, son. And he goes, don't call me, son. He goes, cover your ears.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this time he shoots the rocket launcher, unlike in- Raiders. Uh, Raiders. Didn't want to shoot it because it would have been right at the arc, but he was okay for possibly blowing up the crystal skull. But yes. then again, it's not of this world, so would it blow up? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. But no, no idea. What I do know is that <laughs> they should all be, cap- de- be decapitated from that spinning saw. You know, it's ins- It was insane damage. I like. I I didn't stop it, but I paid more attention to the truck. Yeah, that thing was shredded, <laughs> and it did not miss a beat while I was driving. I mean, you get a belt warning in my truck, and it you you, you notice. Yep. Yep. But, uh, I guess. I guess the old saying is true, eh? they? Don't you don't build them like they used to.
0: They don't. But also, this whole scene that we're about to get Mm. is problematic on so many levels. You don't say. I'm gonna say. A lengthy, lengthy, chase ensues after Indy, Marion, and Mutt jump into a duck, an amphibious vehicle, to try and recapture the stolen skull, leaving the knocked-out colonel in a driverless vehicle. Spalco has her soldiers drive towards the car with Oxley and Mac in it so she can retrieve the crystal skull. After Indy jumps from the duck to the other car, he punches and throws all the Soviets out except for one who clings to the back. Indy nails Mac a few times, and as he drives the car, Mac reveals he is really CIA for those that still give a fuck. Spalco begins ramming into Andy's car in the Hanging Russian climbs back up and manages to throw the skull at Spalco before finally falling off. Mutt and Marion drive by and Mutt uses one of Spalco's swords to retrieve the skull. Irina is finally forced to draw out her rapier as she engages Mutt in a battle for the skull on the jeeps. She beats him out and even wounds him right above his right eye. The skull ends up in Oxley's hands again after a brief scuffle and Irina unknowingly passes over to Marion's car. She's about to stab Ravenwood, but she's suddenly thrown onto the car's hood after Marion slams the brakes. Spalco holds onto a gun that was on the duck's hood and she frantically begins to shoot at the windscreen. Bullets don't work in this world, come on! While Mutt fights the Soviet driver for the skull on another car. After regaining control of herself, Irina climbs further onto the hood and takes aim straight at Marion, who thinks fast and manages to throw the Soviet doctor onto another car. However, this happens to be the car with Mutt on it, and after a brief fight with him, Irina kicks him in the head while he holds her down, and after kicking Mutt off her car, who lands on Jones' car, she retrieves the skull. Mutt, meanwhile, winds up getting tangled in some vines and is lifted onto a canopy away from Indy's car.
1: That is longer than
0: some final reviews. (laughs) I couldn't just write down a shell game ensues.
1: And you know what? This is half of the actual (laughs) montage. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted to read it all
0: so that the listeners out there could count the number of times they said, wait, what? Wait, what? Every time I've read, I want you to, if you're out I want you to rewind this back the three and a half minutes it took me to read all that. And every time that you question the logic of the situation, drink, I promise you it'll be drunk in three minutes.
1: I. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it might, it might've been to happen. There's so much going on and be like, I zoned so out. I zoned out. Let's just go right to what you guys have to say. I wouldn't be surprised at that either because there's just so much going on. Yeah. In that. And what's funny is that
0: the sword fight was supposed to be just on land. And slowly, but surely it ramped up. Cause when you see Shia LaBeouf training for it in the pre and in the, Thing. He says straight up, he goes, oh yeah, this was supposed to be just on flat land, me and her fighting. And then it turned into, well, why don't you do it on
1: the same car?
0: Then it was, why don't you do it on different cars? She so was like, so basically all the training that I did was
1: for nothing. Who, <laughs> like, there was like, again, I think I've mentioned this in another podcast. There was nobody in that entire boardroom saying, <laughs> like, I got a question. And just how laughable this whole sword battle is.
0: It's the first time I can say the CGI is really bad.
1: Well, it's because there's so much going on and it's whenever you have a lot of motion in CGI, Shang-Chi, I don't care how much money you've spent on it. It just gets too much. And I guess I don't even know if it would be a good thing if you have one of those OLED TVs where the frame rate can keep up with it. But You know, your average TV, it's going to get, like, a little...
0: You can't even keep up. Here's the problem with bad CGI in a chase scene. If it is a short chase scene, you forgive it. Mm -hmm. But when it is going on and on and on, and your mind starts to get bored, and you start to look at things in the background, that's when it becomes a problem. So, yeah, the sword battle is very laughable. It's
1: he's straddling two cars, yep. barely getting hit in the nuts multiple times by these alien like plants that it just happen to be. Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he probably gets hit like five <laughs> or six times. And on top of that, he's getting battled by a sword's woman swordsman who is in my opinion better than he is yes i mean they've hinted that he's done like he's mentioned he's done fencing before and meanwhile marion's driving the car no disengage do this She's like giving him pointers like a mom cheering from the benches you know control uh, control you must run control <laughs> that is that is a yoda moment <laughs> for her and oh, not to mention, all the while, like on a nice, smooth road.
0: Right, right. It's the it's there's all it's the only trail in the
1: entire land. <laughs> yeah, because how was this path even made? Uh, did the cars clear it out? Because that saw machine completely, wasn't that t- un, wasn't that taken out in the beginning from the RPG? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> if i take my truck off road and i go slow you know it's bouncing all over the place you know and that's on a well-paved dirt road right this is an un place that hasn't probably seen man in decades if any if, if at all and you got cars barreling over all this vegetation so not only are they doing this truck Okay, he's barely holding on to both. He's straddling both things, barely. He's fighting somebody who's better than him, getting hit in the nuts, all while on this bumpy-ass road that's never seen a car before, going through trees. Well, apparently, trees don't grow on this path. And I just... Let's not even forget the chances of them not falling off the cars during this chase scene is probably going to be slim to none. Yes. This is the worst scene in all of indie movies so far. I like the so far. I just this uh, this it's it's too hard not to get and the CGI doesn't even bug me. It's everything else going on with it department regrets to inform you that your sons are dead because they were stupid. <laughs> so, you're always a man of playing the other side of it. Reel me back in on the scene. No.
0: <laughs> I, I, I I will not. Because, again, I understand they wanted to do a shell game idea with this, with who's on what truck and where is the skull. I get that. But the execution of it could have used more planning.
1: I mean... It could have used man, more I planning. Feel, I feel like I'm shredding this just like how I shredded the Sir Richard moment in Last Crusade. They,
0: you know what? You reeled yourself back the, the, the after that show.
1: Well, it's still an A-close, right? No, it's still an A. It was never unrecorded that it was an A.
0: Oh, you son of a bitch. Okay, Dr. Spalko okay. takes over the car she is on by pushing the Russian driver into the back of the car. She then begins to ram the car into Indy so he'll fall off the cliff they were driving next to, prompting the remaining Russian on Dr. Jones' car to jump off the car's back. She's about to drive the famed archaeologist off, even taunting him with a perfectly developed delivered Dozvidaniya, Dr. Jones. Suddenly, <laughs> Mutt, who got the idea from watching a group of motherfucking monkeys, swings in on a vine and lands on Spalco's car, I'm surprised it into a Tarzan yell, along with about a dozen or so monkeys that followed him. Mon- Mutt Monk Mutt takes back, we'll call him Monk from now on. Mutt takes back the skull and jumps onto Indy's car and they drive away from the cliff while Spalco is harassed by several monkeys. After stabilizing the situation and getting rid of all the monkeys by throwing them out of the car, even throwing one off the cliff in her rage, she keeps up her pursuit of the part-time
1: professor. Monkey scene, go. Okay, so as you were doing that, I had to look up the monkeys. And... These, this is the same exact species of monkeys that you saw in Raiders. The the capuchin. The capuchin. <clears throat> so I was trying to see what the heck was going on, and what I see here is, first off, these are other than the one; these are all CGI monkeys. Oh yes, they are. Because apparently, they instead of using real ones, the production did not have the permission. <laughs> to bring its own animals to Hawaii. This once is again, why they had I this situation. have been brought to my attention yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's start, What did you think of
0: the whole monkey scene? Okay. I will start off by saying this scene looks absolutely awful. It's, it's, it's so stupid. And as soon as he went up there, I remember in the theater going, they aren't going to do what I think they're going to do, are they? <laughs> and they did. And oh, I, re- I do recall people laughing in the theater when it happened. Um, now, that being said, I think... Okay, if I want to try to rationalize this scene... that's what you do. I think the idea was to show that mutt can swing on vines the way that Indy swings on a whip. Almost assuring the audience that if this movie moves on from Indy, you'll still have some familiar elements from the sun. That being said, that being said, if that was, if that was the reason they did it, this is not how you do it. Because Indiana Jones would have never swung with monkeys. (laughs) Okay. And also, um, you can't catch up to a convoy that way. How fast do you think he was
1: swinging? Um, again, the, I think the word coincidental or um, is very prominent in these next parts because not only that, the speed that you have to go.
0: I the think the interdimensional to... beings opened a portal.
1: Something screwy is going on in this scene. <laughs> that it's just... Okay, when you when you said when you were in the theater and you heard people laughing yes. and your reaction to all this, I firmly believe that if you and I watched it, we would have had in the theater. It would have been the same reaction as when Han started to speak Wookiee. Yes, it's it's on the same level there. I, but here's the thing:
0: watching it for the first time, I wasn't laughing. I was engrossed in the movie. I was like, okay, this is happening. Whatever. I, 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 wasn't going, is this, is it wasn't like
1: that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's all Uh, part of the plan. It is a plan that I hated. (laughs) I hate it. How on earth does getting the time? I mean, I struggle in a video game with the perfect environment. Swinging like the the first game I thought of. Uh, oh crap! The Star Wars game. Oh, Not fallen Jedi Gen- Gen- order. Fall, yeah, the one yeah. I didn't finish. Fallen Fall order. Um, I struggled with doing that with the force. You know, with the grab the vine and then the whole swinging back and forth. Yeah, I struggled with that. This is supposed to be real life, you know. <laughs> and if if he was in the circus prior to this, huh? I probably would understand this a little bit more. Okay. And don't tell me he was really good at monkey bars, which is why he's good at this. Dumb. 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 I hated it.
0: Let's face it. This is not the worst thing you've caught me doing.
1: <laughs> it's close. <laughs> if it's not first, it ain't third. <laughs> um,
0: Indiana distracted by this it. is this is part three i was gonna say okay so fuck it there's a fight they 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 land That's on a fuck <laughs> they land on a fucking anthill with the siafu these awful ants okay which are real by the way not the ants you see just, on the screen but they're just gonna ask yeah siafu are real ants um and these ants are going to kill people like in swarms. And there's a fight that Indy and Dovchenko, I think it's Dovchenko, yeah. They're having a fight and the ants are all going around them because Oxley has figured out that if he puts the skull down on the ground, the ants will all scatter around the skull. How he knows this, I don't know. But he does it anyway. So eventually, Indy punchy, 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 Dovchenko falls over, the Siafu get all over him and they carry his corpse into an anthill. Which looks awesome. <laughs> I, it, I do like the ant part in this, uh, but the CGI—it's not passing the uncanny valley test.
1: Uh, again, <laughs> they should all—they should all be decapitated from a flying car landing on them. Yes, they should. But
0: Steve. What did you think about when all those ants went on all over Dom Jochenko and started carrying
1: his body? Wasn't that horrific? It, it was, it was, um, okay. It's a nightmare. What, what would the ants really carry them back there just to eat them or would they eat them there? And no ants would bring it back. An, them ants
0: bring their food back to the thing to feed the, uh, the queen and the babies. <sighs>
1: I just know whatever I'm putting poison down around here, they all drink it there. It's in them, and then they carry it back. Yeah, but are you aiming you know? for the anthill? I'm aiming for the ants. I don't, I'm aiming for everything. Yeah, they, they eat- I it. carpet bomb those motherfuckers. <laughs> they eat the poison, and then they probably go back to their home and <laughs> regurgitate <laughs> it back up, and there's a soundbite. <laughs> uh I mean, it, it, it is it is horrific. It is it is creepy. I I think it it looked really good when they were pulling them down because you can kind of see the guy's facial expressions. Yeah. When it's far seen when it's far away, seen the CGI. I'm sorry, it just doesn't look good. Like it's when not. the first guy falls in there, it doesn't look good. But surprisingly, when it's more close up, it looks a little bit. It looks a lot better.
0: We're also looking at that CGI with 2023 glasses because back in 2008, that actually didn't look that half bad.
1: No yeah uh, it didn't. and i looked up mm-hmm. the uh siafu ants yes these things are six inches long each oh yeah holy crap that is
0: yeah those are a little not, bit
1: smaller than a beer can.
0: those are i'm not screwing around ants no yeah um <clears throat> let's see here blah 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 okay yeah i said that said that Okay, Indy picks up Ox, carries him to Marion in the car. Meanwhile, a small Soviet car comes to Spalko's aid and she drops down onto the passenger seat because she was trying to escape some ants that were climbing up on each other to bite her. The soldier-loaded truck parks on the cliff's edge and all the soldiers and their leader begin to climb down some ropes they just secured. Marion drives the car with all the good guys in it off the cliff, but it lands on a huge tree that was growing on the ravine side. They are gently lowered into the river below and the tree recoils and hits the cliff wall, knocking down several Soviet soldiers, realizing that when Ox Said, Oxley said, three times it drops. He meant that there were three waterfalls that lead to Lake Sono. Everyone panics as the first waterfall approaches. In the end, though, they all survive after they plummet through the three progressively higher waterfalls. Look, he survived the fridge. He's going to survive the waterfalls, too. Oh,
1: crap. I mean, okay, just keep going. The boat on the
0: branch bit. It's cartoony. I do love that they had Marion do a drive-by to see what was down there beforehand, but it's still a little too coincidental.
1: Just a little? A little bit. Uh, How the hell does she get this perfectly to land on the right spot of this tree? I mean, I know she camped this thing out of hindsight. That's a massive risk that you have to take. And before all this happens, you said that the Soviets stopped their car and climbed down. What are they climbing down to? The water. And when they get there? Swim? Are they going to go go for a swim? swim. <laughs> <laughs> like, they got boats waiting down there for them, or what's going on? <laughs> oh, never mind. That is one you know what? of shit.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm lowering my grade.
1: Just, that's what I mean. I thought that was like, why are you guys stopping and going down the Canyon wall? I mean, it's like, I literally have no idea why. Um, this is another raft out of the plane scene again. Okay. Another uh, Rationalizing Joe here speaking. Oh, you're going to have to pull all the stops out on this one. This is the worst one.
0: This Bye. is This is going to be tough. Okay. So, so far in the Indiana Jones movie that we are watching. Does it still feel like an Indiana Jones movie? Yes. Okay. So it's not failing. It's still an indie movie. It's just, I feel like the director and the storyteller had too much fun with their toys on this
1: one. I, well, you said... It isn't failing. I think it is failing. It hasn't failed. It's still an Indiana Jones movie.
0: And in that regard, it is following the formula. It's just all the shit in the background's a problem. It's. The story is fine. It's just the execution of this. It's almost as though, like, if you had told me Spielberg did this movie or if you hadn't told me Spielberg did this movie, I wouldn't know it was a Spielberg movie. There's, yes, I agree. It's just, the, the finesse isn't
1: there in some of these scenes. Yeah, actually, I because I, I, you know what happens? My brain starts thinking. Yep. And if they would have gone over the cliff and partway through... <laughs> you can't say it without laughing. <laughs> Partway on the fall, they open up a raft, fall into the raft and take the raft down the waterfalls. I might be able to buy that only because he survived a raft falling out of a plane before. Fair enough. But, st- I mean, I know they're kind of one in the same. One's a raft, another one's a boat car. Yes. I don't even know if you noticed that. Um, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I just there's no way that they would have survived and let alone how the tree just gently lays them on the water and then knocks those guys off the ropes i guess just a quicker way down there i i don't to, to what i don't know to their death i just that i just like i'm out i'm done okay let's just move on because that the tree scene that's where I lost it. That is way too coincidental. Very cartoony. That is like something you'd see in a Roadrunner Coyote (laughs) cartoon.
0: But it is still an Indiana Jones movie. It's got the
1: name on it. It still feels like one. I really wish you hadn't seen Dial of Destiny. (laughs) Just saying. The group
0: enters a cavern shaped like a human head with a waterfall sprouting from its eyes. Oxley had said that the temple was found by going, Through eyes I last saw in tears. And they journey through a tunnel with paintings of beings with elongated craniums. Ox holds up the skull in front of a life-size painting and there is a perfect match. It is read in the pictograms that the Uga tribe was taught irrigation and agriculture by these beings. After going through a big stone chamber, the group encounters some angry natives who chase them out of the cave and into the open. Oxley pulls out the crystal skull and the savage Uga back away. This is just like when Indy was running away from those natives at the beginning of Raiders.
1: Very, very similar. Yeah. They, they tried to recreate that subtle humor in this, and I think they got it. I, I did too. And I like the fact that they got caught. Yeah. <laughs> well... Jacques wasn't there to save him, or Reggie.
0: Or Reggie the snake, yes. Uh, Spalko finds what appears to be a tracking device at the shore of the lake, and she looks up at the cave where another tracking device was probably dropped. Mac is upset by the fact that he hasn't seen any gold yet after climbing up a Mayan pyramid with an obelisk over key. J- Jones figures out that to open the Palace of Eternity, the obelisk needs to move, so everyone begins to break some ornate stone heads that hung in a stone structure beneath the obelisk. Breaking a lot of the heads causes sand to pour out and the obelisks to rise up. The group is sucked underground, but the stone steps on which they fell begin to draw back into the wall. So they are forced to run down the tube-like structure to avoid being impaled by the stone spikes waiting in the water below. This was never made to ever be gone into. Ever. Apparently. Uh, No one makes it all the way down in time, so they all plummet about seven meters into the water, uh, avoiding the... the spikes apparently oxley drops the skull and he frantically begins to look for it indy and marion share a tender moment and are about to kiss when mutt unexpectedly drops a heavily armored skeleton into indy's arms c-3po you son of a bitch the skull is found and mac steals some gold from an armored figure that was impaled on one of the spikes indy leads the way into the temple through a door on the side and mac is seen dropping a flashing silver and red tracking device just to remind you that
1: he is still there I now see this, the C3PO part right now. Yep, didn't notice it before, didn't put that together. That's got another one coming up pretty soon. Hello, sir.
0: Jesus, uh, you cock blocking yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 now for me, I was still on board even with the branch bit that happened a second ago. Mm-hmm. But here, this is starting to drag now for me because like, I love all the set pieces and the puzzles, but I also think there's way too many. You could cut five minutes or so from all of this. It's just too many puzzles. You don't have to use every single idea that comes in your head, guys.
1: Yeah, I I, I was a little surprised when I saw you say this, coming from someone who loves the puddles, puzzles in Assassin's Creed. I thought you would have enjoyed this. I do, but that's a 120-hour
0: experience. This is two Five hours.
1: <laughs> yeah. Seeing those, how the sand comes out and these massive rock pillars come together, make this sonic boom of a collision. Yeah. My belief is that these humans made these puzzles are starting to fade. Okay. That everything is now going towards these alien gods. And I don't, I wasn't quite sure if even the ancient aliens that, aspect of it. Yeah. And I, I. Well, and I don't even think our characters were either because when they get inside and they see all those hieroglyphics, Indiana Jones says something along the lines of why are their heads so long? Well, because you know, and, in, uh, in some traditions, they elongated the heads of kids yeah. and I'm like, you're holding a crystal skull. The only part, that bothered me with that is well just the skull itself it's got very it's still this alien still has very human teeth yeah and i was this is where that started to fade with it but i was still surprised that they still believed they were still trying to rationalize nope this really isn't aliens granted we did see an alien be exposed in the tent when they were first got to the amazon that was there that didn't still make we saw it at the very beginning of the movie That too. And they were at area
0: 51. They showed their hand from the first scene on this one. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Why doesn't
1: Indy believe this yet? Doesn't believe all that hocus pocus.
0: Yeah. After three movies of being proved wrong on all this hocus pocus and quote unquote bedtime stories, he's still, come on. He should be the first one. It's like, fuck guys, I think it's aliens. And and that's tough to wrap your head around, I get it. it. It still is. Outside, the Uga are brutally gunned down and Spalko kneels to pick up yet another tracking device. Indy is very... What are they, leaving breadcrumbs like Hansel and Gretel? What the fuck is this? Indy is very impressed by what is found in the chamber that they have just entered, artifacts from all over the world. Everyone eagerly looks around, mutt exclaiming that the place was the mother lode, and Mac commenting on how any museum in the world would sell its soul for the trove stored in there. Ox walks towards a huge red door, and Indy notices that a skeleton was carved in the middle of the door. So he borrows the crystal skull, and he places it in the head Part of the carving where the skull fits in snugly. A giant red arrow comes down on the door and each half retracts into its corresponding side, revealing a tunnel. No more puzzles! No
1: more puzzles! Yay! That's it. welcome to my life in AC. I hated doing the puzzles. I hated them. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. It, that is you. <laughs> That
0: is me. (laughs) Okay, everyone climbs in and as they examine the 13 crystal skeletons, all of them sitting in ornate gold thrones, Ox moves towards the one with no head. Just as skeleton and head are about to be reunited, a gun clicks in the background and Mac is seen pointing his gun at Ox. Jesus Christ. Forcing him to back away from the skull. Indy asks Mac if he's a triple agent. Yeah, Maybe he's a quadruple agent, who the hell knows? And Mac just retorts by explaining that he just lied about being CIA but won't tell you what he is. Just then Spalko and four Soviet soldiers walk into the chamber and the Russian doctor comments on how beautiful the skeletons are. She also notes they are a hive mind of separate bodies, but of a single mentality. Okay, forget Mac for a second, because I've ripped on Mac the entire time. If there is one thing Spielberg and Lucas know how to do, it's how to create a memorable final set piece in an indie movie. I really like the look
1: of this chamber. The chamber? The final resting place of the grail yep the sacrificial chamber and the where the ark was laid when they took the ark cover off no those are all iconic set pieces now is this an iconic set piece probably not you know um but no it they do it is very it's probably the small well I was gonna say it's probably one of the smaller of the two, but I probably put the grail as the probably the smallest set. And if you talk about the room where the knight was. Yeah. It's very holy crap, where am I stepping? Yeah. It's a really cool spot. Yeah. Irina
0: takes the missing skull and puts it back where it belongs. This causes the one's headless skeleton to straighten, taking the upright pose of the other's twelve. It is then that Harold Oxley begins to talk in Mayan. Indy translates and explains that the skull is grateful for being returned and that it would like to give them a gift. Irina asks the crystal skeleton to grant her knowledge as the gift, as they had, that they had offered, repeating the same line over and over. I want to know. I want to know. Mac takes advantage of the fact that everyone is distracted, and he slips out into the previous chamber where he's about to escape, but is held back by his own greed. Yeah, we really just need something for Mac to do here.
1: Yeah, he's. I don't believe or trust anything that he does. He's turned on everybody multiple times. I don't know what he's doing um, just thinking real quick said Oxley speaking Mayan yes Is that he's not referenced is, is it Mayan or is it supposed to be that dead language he haven't heard in 3000 years remember that when he's deciphering that because if it's that dead language then how would Indiana know what he's saying
0: because Indiana was able to translate the riddle remember leave it to Oxley to write a riddle in a dead okay. language okay okay but that's written in front
1: of you yeah, okay. he's. there's something to be said about reading a language and then hearing a language and you know, dissecting it that way and I believe it's a lot tougher to listen to it because at least when you're reading it you can go at your own pace you know what I think
0: they should have done with this and maybe you'll agree with me is that instead of Indy translating should have been Mutt Mutt spent the most time with Oxley maybe he picked up on some of the Mayan that he
1: was talking about yeah I get that too that adds more value to Mutt's character then Then you can take away the whole, Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and just to have Indy kind of as Mutt's doing this, Indy kind of looks glances over at him and kind of looks at Marion and kind of smiles like chip off the old block.
1: Yeah. No, it's like, Oh, this, this kid's got something.
0: Yeah. Uh, True to their word, the skeletons transfer all their knowledge into the doctor's mind. Their eyes begin to emit smoke and the room begins to rotate. A portal opens up above the room and Marion notes that it is the eyes, Indy. It's the eyes. Mutt asks if the skulls are aliens and Oxley, now sane again, states that they are interdimensional beings in point of fact. Indiana throws Ox and Marion out of the chamber and then waits for the passage to rotate back into position so both he and Mutt can escape. They barely escape the chamber where they barely exit the chamber before the portal begins to lift up pieces of the room along with the four surviving soldiers who are sucked in by their weapons and ammo belts. After nothing is left of the chamber except for a tall column in the middle where Spalco is standing receiving streams of knowledge, the still rotating skeletons begin to converge starting from the left into one. Portals. Look, I- I'll get behind aliens, but you better explain more than just interdimensional beings. So where'd they go? What do you mean where'd they go? Like where'd they take off of the Yeah. The space oh. between spaces. What the fuck does that mean? At least oh. with the Ark of the Covenant, I knew what the hell we were talking
1: about. Oh, where they're going up into that portal? Yeah. I think they're just going up into the ship. It's not really a portal. It's okay. Just a, you know, like, you know, your classical oh, being abducted by alien. Boom, a light comes down, you get sucked up, you know? That's where they're just going up in their ship. Okay.
0: That's. I appreciate your defense of this movie. Indy, Mutt, and Marion run to escape the now collapsing temple. However, Mac is still trying to gather treasure. Indy turns back and shouts at him, saying that they have to leave. Now, damn it! Unfortunately, Mac trips and being covered in gold is not able to get up before being sucked in by the portal, which won't make any sense because he can't use that gold there anyway. Indy throws the whip for him to hold on to. Mac is humbled by this act. (laughs) Pfft. As more and more of the temple is absorbed, he decides that he'll no longer slow down his friend's escape, saying, I'll be all right. He lets go of the whip and is sucked into the portal. I mean, are we really going to miss Mac at this point?
1: Mac has an arc now. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it slowly goes up and goes up and goes up and wham! Mac has an arc. He's, he's back with Indy again. They're best friends all of a sudden. And the Taco he's... Bell unsung hero goes to Mac. <laughs> <laughs> no, I he I thought it was cool that he, betray, I shouldn't say it's cool, but it, it was cool that they gave him the double, double, triple, quadruple agent thing, whatever, that he betrayed Indy, but he should have just stayed at that. Yes. Actually, I would have actually really enjoyed it if he was the double agent really behind and then literally walked out with Indy and Marion and Mutt, and they were all on the same side. I thought that would have been a lot better. Not,
0: fool <laughs> fooled you. <laughs> I- okay. Try this on for size. What if instead of having Mac in this movie, it's Sala.
1: But could Sala infiltrate? Well, I am the monarch well, a, of the sea I, <laughs> well, the, 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 I think that'd be even like what would be the point of where where would you put him where would you enter him in why, why would you need him he could be the one done.
0: that's been with Indy on all his adventures from the very beginning
1: but going along for the ride I mean at least Mac has an initiative to go to this place because he he's greedy he wants the gold he wants the money Solo yeah, he's just tagging along for the ride yeah you're right I mean he'd be the he'd be the other archaeologist in there but he would be on the side of good max already on the side of bad. that's why i think i like if he was the double agent playing that whole side back and forth but saying oh i'm a double but i fooled you that's yeah. where i lost it for Max. okay for sure
0: meanwhile all the skeletons have merged into one being and spalko is still taking in all that wisdom being given to her however her psychic link made her far too fragile What was the point of her being psychic? And her body was far too weak to sustain all this knowledge being sent to her. She asked for it to stop, but the being silently refuses to. It becomes apparent that if it knew Spalco's evil intentions, which explained why the skull would not speak to her previously, its eyes turn green and it gives a menacing look as it continues to transfer knowledge. A raging fire starts in Spalko's brain and emerges through her eye sockets. The inferno rapidly spreads through her whole body, disintegrating her. Look, this is our Belloc Molaram Donovan moment. Okay? Uh, I almost feel like it would've been a better choice to never actually see the alien beyond it coming together. So, like from that point on, you film the scene from the alien's perspective and you find a way to kill off Spalko using practical effects.
1: Yeah, uh, I think kind of like how they kept, they hid the alien in Sixth Sense. Yes. Or, well, no, not six Sixth, Sixth Sense. Sense. Science. Yeah. Science. Yeah. The CGI uh, looks agree. rough here. Yeah. Uh, she, it looks like she turned into particles. Yeah. And then she went up to the ship. So did she die? Did... I don't. <laughs> <This> <laughs> is technology beyond what we can comprehend. That's it... the. Get out of jail free card.
0: Indy and the rest of the group run through the temple while giant stone wheels wreck what remains. Soon they find themselves at a dead end, and with the sound of raging water in the distance, their chances look slim. However, the water fills up the tunnel, and by keeping themselves afloat, everyone makes it out all right. You know, I am glad that this movie doesn't fall into the typical movie trope of, the room is filling up with water, what are we gonna do? You tread water, you dumb fucks. That's how you do it, okay? You're not gonna drown if you tread water. Uh, just as Indy stands up, a giant dark gray saucer is seen taken off from the base of the temple, lifting many pieces of rock and tossing them around and turning them into dust. Finally, in a flash of light, the saucer disappears and the floating pieces of debris drop to the empty valley floor below. Parts of the upper rim keeping out the river water give way and immediately fill up the void where the temple once stood. Like a broom to their footsteps, states Harold Oxley. Jones beckons Marion to sit on his lap and both of them hug. When Mutt insists that they should move before it gets dark, Jones gets him to stay by calling him Junior. Mutt in response calls Indiana Dad, which confuses Oxley. I Okay, I love how subtle the broom to their footsteps line is because it implies that there are probably other bodies of water that were formed from this very same idea.
1: I, this was my probably my favorite line throughout the entire movie. This was set up so long ago. Yeah. In the event that this ship did leave. I thought it was great. I I'm completely agree with you. What did you think of the whole... Yes. I was waiting. I This whole movie, I was waiting for him to call him Junior and I wanted him to go back, don't call me Junior.
0: Right. So he's... I was waiting for that. Yeah. The Junior and Dad thing is funny, but Mutt would be... Henry Jones, Jr., Jr., which is Henry III, but you're not going to call him that because it sounds too royal. Yeah. And uh, only Indiana Jones, only him could get away with being an absentee father the way he has at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Just smiling. It's oh, great. we weren't here for 18 years. <laughs> no hard feelings.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially with the fact that how he treated Marion... Oh, it was just so many years ago. Would you get over it? I'm thinking of Raiders and the whole bar scene. Yeah. <laughs> conversation. Oh, god.
0: Yeah, like he's abandoned. They, he abandoned her twice now that we look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, don't yeah. worry on The first time, probably a good idea. Oh. She was 15 years old.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I bet you... Junior Junior didn't know that.
0: Right. Um, Back at the university, back in the United States, the presumably reinstated Dean Charlie Stanforth is running in a white suit. He stops and praises a man who's painting the words, Professor Henry Jones Junior, Associate Dean, on a door's glass. However, Stanforth wants the letters to be much bigger. Well, I'm glad they gave him a room. I saw that boiler room he was staying in for so long. (laughs) Way to treat the man with respect here. Uh, Indy and Marion get married and Mutt watches gladly as his parents embrace in a lovely kiss. Everyone in the church stands up and cheers and just when Mutt is about to snap the first photo, the church doors burst open and the wind lifts Indy's fedora off the coat rack and leaves it at Mutt's feet. Mutt bends over to pick it up and just as he's about to try it on, Indy takes it and smiles and puts it on himself. Everyone then leaves to to attend the reception as the credits roll. Mutt remains back for a moment, combing his hair. He finally joins the rest carrying his leather jacket on his back.
1: Oh, I missed that part.
0: Yes. Now, if Last Crusade left us with a great feeling in regards to Indy's relationship with his father, this movie leaves us with a great feeling in regards to Indy's relationship with his immediate family. He's married. He has a kid that's a chip off the old block. This is how you end Indy's legacy if you're going to do it twice, if you wanted to do an epilogue to Last Crusade.
1: Okay. I just thought the whole... The door is blown open, the wind's blowing through, knocks the hat off, it rolls by his feet. I that, that the word forced was in the dictionary, you'd see that scene. Everything just seemed again very coincidental. So I think
0: I'm on board with what you're saying. But I'm gonna go back to something you said in the Raiders podcast. Okay at the very beginning when we started talking about that movie, we talked about the silhouette of Indy that we see first. And you said, the first thing we see is the hat. Mm-hmm. And the hat ultimately is the Indy sign. And for it to just, here's the thing, at no point would Mutt think of taking the hat for himself because mess up his hair. You know, he's not a hat guy. Yeah. But here it is, just kind of like, eh, it's there. It's there, we know kinda where this is going. And the indie snatch away, I like because it's like, oh, no, he's not quite done with it yet, but he kinda smiles back at Mutt like, I got my eye on you kid, don't worry, I'm gonna give you dad's grail diary at some point. Um, <laughs> but what I liked most about it was he, Mutt smiles back and the second piece of what makes indie indie is the leather jacket. And that's what he puts over his shoulder as he walks off. And I'm like, you know what? I see you. I see you, Mutt. And I would be on board with him being the heir apparent if this was the handoff movie. Because there's a way to do it tastefully. And what I liked was at no point in this movie after the initial meeting with Indy is Mutt ever disrespectful towards anything Indy is doing.
1: Well, the only thing just calls him is the old man or Gramps, but he barely knows him, and he doesn't know who he really is at that point. Yes.
0: Uh, at point, let's see. At no point, did I feel like the character was trying to be the equal or greater than Indy. Instead, something different in a way that is palatable to mainstream audiences. He's different. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. Tomato meter, tomato uh, me, of sixty six percent, forty eight fresh, twenty five round. Did you know it'd be that high?
1: Surprised it's that high. No, I didn't, Critics, I didn't read, I didn't see any of this. Again, i try to give yeah. you my best reaction.
0: Critics gave it a 6.2 out of 10. Uh, the consensus was, though the plot elements are certainly familiar, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull still delivers the thrills, and Harrison Ford's return in the title role is more than welcome.
1: The plot elements, that they're talking about the formula right there. That's it. Yes. But let's see what the detractors had to say. Peter
0: Bradshaw of The Guardian said, despite the genuine excitement and one blinding flash of the old genius, this new indie film looks like it's going through the motions. Going through the formula. Yep, it's got a formula. Uh, Kirk Honeycutt. Great name. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter says, this film feels like work, whether it's poor Harrison Ford straining to keep pace with his younger self, or Spielberg and writer David Kep piling on the thrill ride acrobatics that have only scant connection to the plot.
1: <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> I mean, I think Harrison Ford does a really good job keeping up with everything. Like, that's what I was most concerned about seeing yeah. this for a second time was the old Harrison. And I was, I was surprised. <laughs> Uh, James Donelli, Real View, says, Indiana
0: Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull can't be seen as anything other than a very minor chapter in the adventures of one of cinema's most beloved action heroes and a disappointment for those who have waited patiently for his return.
1: <laughs> I, I agree with that one.
0: I think my only issue with that statement is that before we knew this movie was coming out, we weren't patiently waiting for a return. It no, was that's over. True. That's true. Yeah. Uh okay, the audience score is a 3.3 out of 5 with 53% agreeing it's a three or higher. But Steve, the movie's over. Were you entertained?
1: Uh I I was excited to watch this movie, but after watching it, it was it was okay. But stop. Was I entertained? Yes. I don't know. I wanna I, I was hoping I would be, but it's just so it's so dumb.
0: I think one of the things that I would say to like this movie, you kind of have to like the university chase because if you don't like that chase, you're not going to like any of the other chases in this. Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're they're
1: very similar. They're all that. Actually, the university chase is probably the most realistic of of all of them that you see. It is,
0: yeah. And he does delivers the great line of if if you want to learn about archaeology, you got to get out of the library.
1: That is a good
0: line. <laughs> uh, I was entertained. Uh, but after watching this, I'm beginning to see some of the reasons why I didn't like Dial of Destiny. And it has to do with the fact that Indy needs to stay in an age range. I think this movie is as old as you could take him. And even this was pushing the envelope sometimes.
1: Yes, yes. My gosh. That is, you You are hitting the nail on the head right there. Yeah. Yes. Uh,
0: okay, let's figure out the awards. guy. Got- At the Academy Awards, you got no nominations. At the Golden Globes, you got no nominations. At the Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Films, the Saturn Awards, you got six nominations. It lost. Harrison Ford loses to Iron Man's Robert Downey Jr. for best actor.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about this one before. This is a very loaded (laughs) uh, best actor, but how can you not give it to Robert Downey Jr.? I know.
0: Uh, best Costume, it won for Best Costume. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess, I... Uh, it, it loses Best Director to Jon Favreau for Iron Man. I got to agree, Spielberg, this was not your best. Uh, best Science Fiction Film, it loses to Iron Man. Of course. And Best Special Effects, it loses to The Dark Knight.
1: That's Heath Ledger's. Yes, yes, special effects. I'm kind of surprised they go to Iron Man. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. even Benjamin Button. Yeah, yeah. Although the people who- That's more makeup than CGI.
0: Although the people who hate on Captain America because of the de-aging that they did there or the de-bodying that they did with him, all of a sudden have a way to defend Benjamin Button as though that looks so much better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Brad Pitt looked like a PEZ dispenser. Um. Best Supporting Actor, it was who? Shia LaBeouf is no, uh, nominated. He loses to Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight. You're not winning that battle. No, and either. even then, I'd, I'd be okay with Shia or Jeff Bridges for Iron Man.
1: I'm uh, going go back here.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, now at the MTV Movie Awards, I got one nomination and it was for Best Summer Movie so far But it loses to Iron Man. (laughs) Yeah, he ain't beaten that. Now my favorite, the Raspberry Awards. It got some Razzie Nom. Worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel, and it wins. It beat out Disaster Movie, Meet the Spartans. It beat out Star Wars, The Clone Wars movie. And it beat out Speed Racer and The Day the Earth Stood Still.
1: Uh, I've only seen one other one and that was The Clone Wars, so. And that uh, movie came out before the series came out. Oh, well, then that's, okay. Well, then that makes sense why it's here. Yeah. I guess, yeah.
0: Damn, so, that yeah. sucks. So, sorry, <laughs> yeah, Razzie. Ra- okay, top three, bottom three. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie and then we talk about the three things who are bad, down, unforgivable, or downright travesties. We'll start with the top three. I'll go first. My number three. I'll say it. I like the fact that Indy's character has naturally aged. We see his character from the past 80% of the time, but when he finds out Mutt is his son, he has echoes of his own father come out in his character, but still ultimately defaults to his wizened character. So I like that. My number two, I'll say it, I like Mutt. I know that's contentious, but what I like is that we see the progression of his character's relationship with Indy crescendo from he's just another guy to, I can't believe this guy's my dad, I refuse, to, all right, this guy is a pretty cool role model for a father. I believe his character existed in 1957. And my number one, I'll say it, I like the fact this movie deviates from faith into something less religious. Aliens, interdimensional beings, whatever the fuck you want to call them, is setting a precedent for future indie movies, if there are any, that the MacGuffin doesn't need to be a religious artifact, but something mythological or supernatural, too.
1: I like oh, that. Yeah. And I think what goes with that, too, there was a quote that Indy says where he's talking about all this. And I think it was the same time where he's saying, you know, well, they stretch out their heads to look like they're gods. It says, "What well, God says, our God doesn't look like that. It says, depends on who your God is. Right. So the whole religious aspect, I, I, I firmly still believe that this is religious because we're talking about the Mayan religion here. And you know it's what? It's just a different kind of religion. I'm, now I'm with, I didn't, I didn't even think of
0: that right there, but now, yeah, I'm there with you. Okay. Steve, what yeah. are your top
1: three? I actually liked all the puzzles, oh, the and, that, and, and believe it or not, I thought it was cool. And that hunt for the treasure type feel—I, you know? <laughs> I, I, that's the part of the Indiana part that I really liked. Uh, my number two, the evolution of the enemy. Now it's the Russians are kind of going with the times. It's another easy evil to get behind, yep. kind of like the Nazis. Yep. And my number one, Harrison Ford he actually pulled this off being older and it was almost seamless. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I was nervous, but very, very surprised on how well that was.
0: I like all three of those. Okay. Time for the bottom three. Only three. I No honorable mentions here. Okay. I got three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My number three. The dream team, Spielberg, Lucas, and Williams. This is kind of like when a sports team wins a few championships and then thinks they can just coast to the championship game, only to be knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. More time and care should have been taken with this if you were going to return to the well. Agreed. My number two, near the end, there's just too many puzzles. Sorry, Steve. Drags out a bit too long. I like the puzzles. And my number one too reliant on cgi in this movie and more time
1: should have been spent on it if they were going to do it agreed what are your three steve uh i was just going to piggyback off your number one the cgi it just looked too crazy and when you have all the cgi and a whole lot of moving parts and speed it never turned it usually i shouldn't say never it usually doesn't turn out well my number two the entire montage in the Amazon, the chase scenes, from fighting barely on two Jeeps, to falling <laughs> on a rubber band-type tree, to going down three times. How are these people not, I, I, they got some super serum <laughs> in the model. Tap would even say, this is too much for me. you know. And number one, old Marion i don't like old marion how dare you no old marion she still looked good for her age no i didn't i no sir i didn't like it you didn't like the fact that she was still that spunky self that she was uh it, it that showed that yeah she didn't lose her character right but i still didn't like old marion i don't know i didn't want her there (laughs) <laughs> I, just, I, I want I her I to leave I, I want her to go no, I, I was fine with what, how things ended because it was a long time ago I didn't really think about well what happened to Mary no because we're not thinking about well, what happened with Willie <laughs> I don't think that well we all know what happened
0: to Elsa we don't think you of know? Willie because Willie was a prequel if Willie was not a prequel if Willie was the first movie in, in, in we wonder what happened to her
1: then we're not thinking it until now Okay, Steve. I don't like old Mary. Fine. No, sir. Fine. Fine. All right.
0: Steve hates nice things. Okay. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A plus is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives Fs from everybody. It goes to the movie planet. Global killer joining Waterworld. Solo used to be there.
1: Should be there. No, that's a perfect movie somehow.
0: So the question is, what do you give 2008's Indiana Jones and the Iron Man of Crystal Skulls? I'm sorry, the Kingdom of Crystal Skull in the action adventure movie genre by today's standards? Steve, I yield the floor to you, sir, go for it.
1: All right, I was really looking forward to watching Kingdom because I believe I've only seen it one other time and it was such a long time ago. And re-watching this indie series, it reignited my passion for the series and the excitement to watch this movie unfortunately this movie misses a lot (sighs) the previous three movies ended so perfect i mean there's very few movies in the cinematic universe as a whole out of all movies being made that has that great iconic ending it's just perfect that this whole movie it absolutely feels unnecessary Harrison Ford is the shining star in this movie. I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to get past old Indy, just like, and I think this is where I was going, how I couldn't get past old Han in The Force Awakens. I feel like this is a little bit easier pill to swallow because of the time gap between movies. Crusade to Kingdom versus episode six to episode seven. I don't know my math, but I think the time gap between 6 and 7 was a bit longer than Crusading Kingdom. The music is still good, but it's kind of forgettable, just like Temple. I mean, you hear the indie theme song. (laughs) I knew you were going to like that. Uh, (laughs) You hear the indie theme song throughout the movie, but that is to be expected. What really kills this movie is the unpredictable, unre- the, not unrealistic, the unrealistic action sequences. I think in the indie movies that you're allowed one, maybe two. That's kind of pushed it. This movie has four or five unrealistic scenes. The University Chase, which is... I would probably have to say it is the best unrealistic chase that there is. Um, The convoy chase. uh, Going through the Amazon. The monkey swinging. Cars being rammed on the edge of a cliff. We didn't even talk about that one. Flying cars landing on people. Whitewater rafting in a car. And driving off a cliff and laughing and landing softly on a tree. I'm sorry. I guess there was more than five in this one. That being said, I can't speak on here and ignore the fact that I shredded the Last Crusade Sir Richard Catacomb scenes and I gave that movie an A+. Which is why my conscience tells me that I need to move Last Crusade to an A. This movie makes Temple of Doom look like an A. The actors are so much better and the adventure is more genuine. A couple unrealistic moments, but not as bad as Kingdom which is why I raised my temple grade to a B minus. I mean, they went alien on us. That's not indie. This is far below and Mutt doesn't save the day or carry on the franchise because he's too busy going back to school. Maybe he needs acting classes. Just not a Shia LaBeouf fan. I don't want to watch this movie again and it's not my indie franchise. I'm giving this mid-range D.
0: Okay, there is a passing the torch and there is having the torch taken. This movie is passing the torch. It's how you preserve the lead legacy character while moving the series into new territory with a new lead character. Passing of wisdom and teaching the how-to and the new lead is receptive and eager to learn. Having the torch taken is when you introduce a character who's there to take the torch and feels they have nothing to learn at all from the legacy character. In fact, more times than not, they will constantly shit on them or the writing will change the character so that you feel sad for them and therefore ready to move on with someone new. Indy's older, but he's not too old yet for one last adventure. What I like is they don't shy away from his age in this. However, they also don't treat him as irrelevant because of his age either. This is a mistake that the next movie will do. If you're going to do an epilogue to The Last Crusade, Then they did it right with bringing back Marion to give him a relationship to retire with and an heir apparent to pass the torch to, who is willing to learn from him. All of these ideas are really good. The problem is the vehicle it does it in tends to fumble the plot a lot sometimes. For the first half of this movie, the pacing is great. The second half of this movie feels so slow. It's puzzle after puzzle after puzzle and an extended action set piece through the jungle that feels way too long. I like the MacGuffin and the mystery they include in this movie. I think it's great that the greatest treasure the interdimensional beings could give us is knowledge, which, number one, Indy has always prioritized in his adventure. He's always been knowledgeable first and then the action follows, student athlete. Number two, it's the treasure he consistently gives to Mutt, throughout this movie the knowledge but the plot and editing is rather messy for this story and it can make the final moments feel almost like a relief that it's over not because you hated it but because you were just too damn tired this still feels like an indiana jones movie but it also feels like the last adventure we'd expect to see him in because he's just at that age where you feel like retirement is the way to go If I go back to where I compared this franchise to Toy Story, this is definitely Toy Story 4. You ended the franchise with Toy Story 3. Then you ended it again, but this time with an opening for more with Toy Story 4. It's not necessary in viewing, if you want to end on a high note. However, if we had much show up in Indy 5, I'd make a strong case that this movie would be incredibly important because of the torch handoff it implies at the end. However, this movie after seeing Dial of Destiny leads us down the Die Hard franchise path. The Indiana Jones franchise shares something very intriguing with the Die Hard franchise. Die Hard and Raiders are incredibly strong starts. Die Hard 2 and Temple of Doom were never going to live up to the expectations and are considered critical flops. Die Hard 3, which is Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Last Crusade are a return to greatness, and some prefer them over the original film. Live Free or Die Hard and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull feel like a big step back in order to try to keep up with a timeline. If A Good Day to Die Hard is a franchise killer, will Dial a Destiny put the Indiana Jones franchise into a tomb and bury it? I say definitely. So my final grade for this movie is a C. I put it slightly better than average because I had a C plus originally. And when I consider what I had graded previous movies, I think it's more in line with what I have as a C movie in there. It's easy to pile on movies and immediately call them great or failures. This movie sits in the middle and it isn't disappointing as an indie movie it's just disappointing as an execution. Is it ranked number four for me out of the indie franchise? Yes. It's not the worst, though. Just wait till the next one. So I gave it a 75. You gave it a 65, a D. That puts it at a 70%, which is a C minus, which is going to put it right in line just underneath Mad Max. Now, have you seen Mad Max, Steve? Long time. Okay, so... I have seen it, but it's been a while. You wouldn't feel good about grading that one. (laughs) It could be an A. Don't you dare. Okay, so let's see where it falls. It is right there, right underneath Mad Max. And I wish it was a little bit higher, but... I also
1: wish I was a little bit taller. I wish it was a baller. I, oh, wish-, I wish I had a girl who a good and I can call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and six foot tall. No, I, I look at this and I was, I, I I immediately went back in my head as you're talking about this. And it says, okay, action, adventure, Pantheon. Yep. Do I still support that 65? And I keep thinking about it. I'm like, yes, because I crapped on all of the action and all the adventure. It is absolutely terrible. And I did not like, the the angle that it took. Yes. You know, with the aliens. I mean that's just that's just not indie for me. But you also said, Steve, you said earlier
0: that that is their religion. It in Temple of their Doom religion. we dealt with a different religion, so why can't you forgive this one? Because it's so out there. Because it's aliens. They're interdimensional, beings, interdimensional beings,
1: Steve. beings. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that the politically correct way to say aliens? <laughs> that's,
1: it is. That's, that's the that's the way to say it. So Stop okay. anybody
0: so, so the 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 uh, the, fra- the action adventure franchise isn't changing. It's staying the same as we had at the very beginning with your change of the grade. So we have got Die Hard at number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark at number two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at number three, Mad Max Fury Road at number four, John Wick. One, two, and three is five, six, and seven on the Pantheon. And uh Steve, I think next to the comic book pantheon, we might have one of the strongest uh groups done for this
1: one, also. Yeah, I agree. Parabellum's still holding on tight. Parabellum's like your Doctor Strange. <laughs> All
0: I need is a little more doubt out of you that it's a good movie. I don't want to do that. I don't like that ruins my credibility. I mean, you already have the lowest score on there by a landslide in eighty-two. It's so exhausting.
1: <laughs> Maybe if I watch four, or three'll get better. But I don't. I don't. It's just based on how everything's going, I don't know. Well, let's get our critics hats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie, or none of the above, Steve? I wanted to like it. I mean, I put it as a D for a reason. It's not my. It's not my trilogy. It's not my Indiana. If the boy ever wants to watch this or the girl wants to watch it, I'd be like, we're gonna just watch the first three and you do you <laughs> on your own. It's 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 ruined in indie for me.
0: Well, it's like Star Wars, you know? When your kid wants to watch Star Wars, you go, okay, we'll watch one through six. I agree. Yeah, the I don't know what is,
1: those other ones were, but one through six matters. Yeah, the sad thing now, this is now considered the franchise in the movie Planet Pantheon. And it's boy not a
0: trilogy be... anymore.
1: Ah. It was fun while it lasted. Yep. Well,
0: I like the movie. And having rewatched it a couple of times after seeing Dial of Destiny, it's definitely more enjoyable. And it's the last time, I'm going to use your words here, it's the last time I'll see my indie on the screen. Yeah, I don't want to watch it again. Hashtag, not my indie, Dial of Destiny. (laughs) Okay, that's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Steve, any last words? Rest in
1: peace, Mr. Marcus Brody. You got done dirty.
0: Damn straight. Thank you for listening, and happy movie watching.
1: See ya.